Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. Someday, someday my dream will come. One night you'll wake up and discover it never happened. It all turned around on you. It never will. Suddenly you are old. Didn't happen and never will because you were never going to do it anyway. You'll push it into memory and then zone out in your Barco lounger, being hypnotized by daytime TV for the rest of your life. Don't you talk to me about murder. All it ever took was a down payment on a Lincoln Town car. That girl, you can't even call that girl. So what the fuck are you still doing hosting a podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what if Vincent came here and he made us uh, assassinate people through the radio? I don't know. This is my new game, and I feel like it's become very fertile, is just really working further language of podcasting not just not just using the, the word, word to substitute yeah, yeah. right so that but it has like, some meaning yeah 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 that's good because i feel like vincent's gonna come in at some point to our show throw you, you out the window so? yes yes throw me out a window uh which will take very little force <laughs> <laughs> he'll just walk in and i'll throw myself out a window yeah, uh you know who's uh, scary Tom Cruise in Collateral? Vincent. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very scary. I, I forgot how much he's just like Jaws in this movie. Yes, he's like an animal. Like, yeah. you know, but or a robot. Like, he's right. like a robot animal. Right. He's like a he's like a Terminator dog. Yes, he yes. is. Yes. Because he sort of sniffs. He, he does these great sniffs. Yeah, I'll be Bark. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know what I'm... He's. It's like he's saying, I'll be Bark. He's got like a. (laughs) Get him over here. I got a job for you, buddy. (laughs) Toot sweet. He's got like a robot voice in the thing. Like there's something about it where it's just like, what? I don't know what you're doing exactly, but it's like he's got like a voice modulator in his throat. Well, he does have a yeah. Very. I think he worked very hard on that. And it's a weird thing. I feel like uh, we have the manner of speaking. We've talked a lot on this show about old TC. Fourteen. Uh, and also TC, what, 52? What age is he now? I think he's like 56. Older really? than Milford Brimley in Cocoon. Yes. I mean, that's he's very true. 56, and he's going to be 57 in July. Okay, so... Old- and he's planning on going to space or whatever the fuck the Mission Impossible <laughs> movie is going to do, right? He's going to, like, drill to the center of the Earth. Let's start calling him TC57. Can we do that on this show? Sure. Okay, so old TC57. You could also call him TC4 because technically he is Thomas Cruz Mupati the Fourth. Yeah, but I don't like that. Fair enough. TC57's funnier. Yeah. Got a good rhythm to it. It's got a good rhythm. Uh, he, uh, we've talked about him many times on the show because he likes working with auteurs, directors who have massive success early on in their career and are given a series of blank checks to make whatever crazy passion projects they want. Sometimes those checks clear and sometimes they bounce. Baby, our producer is very, very excited like he's he just, so proud he of lit you. up that i got to that that quickly it was so good <laughs> and it was so seamless and it was it was really masterfully done see um here's the thing though yeah he was interested or he was into that right working right. with the auteurs right, right. Yeah. now and the weird shift is he right. moves out of auteurs he becomes mr sci-fi action movie guy that's right which he previously had not been much of an action guy right but i think a thing that we all like about modern Tom Cruise action movies mm. is there all these meta narratives about like he's finally like he's lost it and he's right. trying as hard as he can to hold on to it as much as he can. Right. And I think he becomes a more interesting actor when wrinkles finally start showing up on his face mm-hmm. because for so long he was so perfect. And this movie is a weird example of like you see how much 
effort went into trying to make Tom Cruise look more worn down than he was. Right. So you say this is no wrinkles on his face yet or not as many. I well, think the wrinkles are prosthetic. And the gray the wrinkles are hair, prosthetic. It's all prosthetic. The gray in the hair feel like it does. He like, loved his look in this so much that he renewed his passport in makeup. Really? Took what? a photo of himself because he was like, I'm not going to look this good. You know, whatever. I'm going to look this good. You know this what? Old. I bet that's why he starts to like let himself age after this. Sure. I mean, a little bit. He doesn't look 57. He doesn't. But I also think like he becomes a more interesting actor when he has bags under his eyes. When he's in like Edge of Tomorrow or the last couple of Mission Impossibles Mm -hmm. and you really feel the like tension in that guy. He had the like youthful cocky energy for like decades. Like he was was one of those guys who like had to fight it. 20, 20 solid years of just he's the youthful cocky guy. This is still him trying to fight his innate boyishness. Right. This is this is uh, Tom Hanks doing Road to Perdition or yes. whatever, where it's like, yeah, you've never seen me like this before. Murdering. Right. right. <laughs> you've <laughs> never seen me murdering. It's crazy that he did this. Yeah. Uh, only in retrospect now that stars at this level don't really do this. It's when you read about who they wanted for him. Right. You know, like Russell Crowe being the big one. You're like, right. Those all make sense. Right. Guys who are innately kind of scary. And when you. Now I just think, like, well, of course Tom Cruise did Collateral. He was in Collateral. But yeah, it is, it is, he never did a role like this. And what's otherwise. crazy is this is, is kind this of. Also Magnolia. The only movie he Magnolia dies is the exception, right? It's like 20 minutes. But yes, yes, Magnolia. This is But kind he's a of dick in that movie. Not a right. murder Murderer, right. Yeah. Um, this is kind of his last, like, big sort of, I, through the sheer so will of being Tom Cruise, mm can make a movie that wouldn't be a blockbuster into a blockbuster mm. because the next year is War of the Worlds in the Couch. Yeah. Yeah, and no, from, that's the crazy thing right. about this is watching him stretch like this and knowing the fall that is coming from right. him and that he has since recovered from, which is also crazy. And being like, this was a $100 million summer film. Yes, this was an August film. I and saw it worked. It, it yeah. worked. Uh, it did well overseas. Right. It was it DreamWorks? This was a DreamWorks movie, I yes. think. Yeah. Uh, this was. I think this was when it was still just pure DreamWorks, no other partner. Yeah, and four hundred percent. This yeah. is one of man's cheapest movies. Yeah. Uh, one of his shortest. One of his shortest, which is funny because <laughs> it did well. Yeah. And uh, doesn't look cheap. Like no, you know, looks like it would cost money. And it's long. And it's fairly long. Right. right. But for him, this is a lean fucking <laughs> this movie. Is a tight, this is his only movie that is kind of a conventional thriller man in Hunter its basic is the element. One, I would say. But Manhunter is about a broken man who can never yeah, go man home. Manhunter is crazy. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but this uh, movie but yeah. has like a traditional, relatable protagonist. Well, also, it has a one sentence pitch. Right. Whereas man movies usually don't. Yeah. Right. Like, man movies are more. Right. right. This is kind of high mood. concept. And actually Pretty functions in the way that it, the premise implies rather than most man movies where you're like, oh, it's like these stars doing this. And it's like, yeah, but it's like really about their like inability to connect to other people. Right. Right. Which it is. It is. But it's it, it's all of those things in a more direct sort of presentation than he usually gives. Yeah. So it was able to work as like a down the middle like, well, we talked about how it used to be like every August there would be one kind of highbrow action movie. Sure. That would perform well. What are you thinking of? Like the Bourne slot, I think sure. those mm-hmm. movies the played. The Bournies. Right. Um, there are other ones I'm trying to think of now that I'm forgetting. Well, let me take a look. Okay. I don't know. Pick a year. We talked about this on Little Gold Men a couple weeks ago. Yes, I, that's when, when we this talked is airing, about it. I don't know. I knew when. I talked about yeah, it. See, with I someone. was there. And the person I talked about it with Go from Vanity Fair and the Little Gold Men podcast, Katie Rich, returning for the fourth time. Catherine I'm Rich. I'm so excited to Catherine be here. Catherine Rich. Your name is Catherine. It right? is, yeah. yes. Yeah, I knew yeah. that. What's yeah. your middle name? Hasty. 
Yeah. I Whoa. Think I, I love it when you guys talk middle names too, mm. because uh, uh, my child, who has been a previous guest on this podcast, his middle name is McGugan. So I always think of McGugan. McGugan. <laughs> it's the best middle name. The prisoner himself, McGugan. Wow. <laughs> um, How is Charlie? Yes. Oh, oh. Can we have a Charlie update? Because oh, a fan told me. Because I mentioned Charlie on the Assassin's Creed episode. Ooh, and I, I haven't listened yet. I mentioned that he loves the movie Sing, which mm-hmm. he may not love anymore. He, no, he does. Okay, yeah. right. I mentioned that I had a video of him singing My Way. I felt yes. that My Way was... I can't remember who sings My Way. Seth MacFarlane sings uh, My Way. He's a mouse. Of course he does. The Why old crooner. Oh, right, man. Y'all want to talk Sing? Yeah. Oh, man. We can talk Sing in a second. But uh, <laughs> someone tweeted at me like, it was so nice to hear that Charlie, like, is has you know, oh, yeah, is his... not a baby anymore. It's like you know, <laughs> One of our more nice to hear guests. a Charlie <laughs> update. And I was like, right, Charlie was like mentioned on the show. He was That's true. part of the his show. His life a cycle bit. is part of the so show it's now. Charlie. Uh, well, I Facetimed him before I came in the studio and showed him every bus and taxi and bicycle on the mm. streets of New York City, and he was psyched. So yeah, that's, that's where we are. He's in the vehicle phase. Oh, yeah. Room. Well, David, last time you saw Charlie, you were in North Carolina, and he was just screaming at a cement mixer outside the he restaurant window. I also took him for a walk at one point. You guys were at the farmer's market or something. We like walked down the street, oh, yeah. and he was just pointing at every goddamn car and saying it was yellow. And mm-hmm. then you'd be like, what the color is it actually? And then he would say the actual color. Yep. He was in that phase where he was saying everything was yellow, you yep. told me. Well, now that he's really into taxis, so yellow taxis. Yellow taxis. That's what it's all about. Really taxis. He'd love collateral. <laughs> he would sure. Love, or uh, with uh, Taxi Brooklyn. Uh, Taxi Brooklyn. The show you were on. Which is based off of the French Taxi franchise, sure. which is sort of France's rush hour. It's <laughs> right. like preeminent uh, 90s action comedy. The premise is very similar to this. Sure, right. It's, it's like someone gets in a, a cab. Right, yeah, right. Uh, I think it's a cop loses his driver's license. And so he has to have a cab driver drive him around mm-hmm. on his case. You know, here's- Which is also the plot of Stuber in theaters this summer. Hey, right, right, which is Uber. Right? right. That's the update is that it's Uber. Oh. Right. Uh, but that is the plot of that. But yeah, here's some movie. Here's some summer grown-up movies from I picked a year, 2002, that grossed almost 100 million or more. Okay, Panic Room. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Road to Perdition. Heard of it. Some of all fears. Sure. I'll, I'll say we're talking. There's an April, a May, and I believe a July in there. But uh, they all functioned well, in that way. Panic Room is the April. Mm-hmm. Uh, July is Road to Perdition. And May is some of all fears. That's right. Well, I pulled all three of those. So. <laughs> I didn't know that. Doing great. Oh boy. Uh, Doing great. And uh, oh, a very grown-up movie, uh, Triple X. Uh, right, which was in August. That was the austere August blockbuster. Well, and this year it's Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, you, austere uh, yeah. is what oh, I think. Oh, so you want me to find the August? Right. That's, you're 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 narrowing it to that very. Because we were arguing that's why it came up on Little Gold yeah. Men that Hobbs and Shaw has taken that first week of August slot yeah. that used to be the austere. And now that has sort of become mm. that Guardians of the it's Galaxy. It's the Guardian mm. slot. Yeah. Right. It's like the last big blockbuster of the summer. Right. If you're either last week of July, first week of August, I would argue the uh, the uh, Andy Serkis plan of the Apes movies ran that slot. Yep. Yeah. They were always last of July, I'm, first of August. I want to give you more. In 2003, it was SWAT. Um, yeah, uh, it's kind of great, great, I, great. I'm not saying movie. that. I, I you agree. It's a yeah. good movie for grownups. Yeah. That I love. In 2004, it was Collateral, right? Mm-hmm. Right, right. In 2005, what did we have here? David's Looking. And 819 was the 40 year old version. That doesn't really count. I saw that on a date. Oh, The Dukes of Hazard. For grown ups. Yeah, oh, Jesus. Well, the, other cor- <laughs> the other corollary to this is that it's the help and the butler slot. Is that you yeah, got early August, right. it's the last blockbuster, yeah, and then it's like maybe right. a like audience friendly Oscar contender. Oh, say, of n- course, in 2006, it was Barnyard, the original party animal. <laughs> Uh, Nolan, shout it out. Nolan was almost always a last week of July guy. He likes that last week. So I say Dunkirk, Dark Knight, Rises, Inception all played that kind of game. 
Where it's like, here's the slightly more intellectual, even when it starts to become more franchisey, you know? Mm-hmm. The, the Bournes, as you note, mm-hmm. uh, always are there. Ultimatum was I think there. Public Enemies had this. No, Public Enemies was early. I want to say it was 4th of July. Would you like to know what, why I know when Public Enemies came out? Please. Because I was in a screening of Public Enemies on the Upper West Side in 2009, and the lights were about to go down, and I saw a text that Michael Jackson had died. Wow. And that is the context in which sure. I saw Public Enemies. So that was, I think, mm. late June. Wow. Um, that sounds right. Uh, Pineapple Express in 2008. It's weird. Thinking yeah, that man. was that weird. That and uh, Tropic Thunder came out at like right oh, the yeah, same Tropic, time. Right, right yep. next mm-hmm. to each other. Yeah. But the key to this slot, I think, is things that still can play down the middle have conventional like summer movie appeal, but then you can kind of pat yourself on the back to be like, you know, there's some like, stuff going on there. When did Heat open? Heat feels like it would have fit this exactly. Heat came out on Christmas, which is insane. Oh, Heat came out the week okay. after they th- Toy Story. They thought, it, they thought it was an Oscar play because it had yeah. Pacino and De Niro. Sure. Um, yeah, but, but there's, there was another should have come out in August. The problem was they thought for one, it's hot. They thought De Niro and Pacino for the first time was going to be all it took to break the box office, but they didn't realize that the week before, for the first time, Buzz and Woody mm-hmm. were on the screen. They had never been. Do you realize before Toy Story, Buzz and Woody had never been in a movie together before? Uh, People about, had been clamoring. What yeah. about in uh, the Towering Inferno? Aren't they? In They're not movie? in the same scene. <laughs> They're never in the same. What about scene. Bob Carroll, Ted and Alice? Are they in that one? Fuck, you're right. They are in that one. But that's a very, that's that's a small, small part. I know. It's very weird that it's in the movie. Right. Uh, I, I could do that all day. Just try and think of a movie to put them in. Yeah. Griffin uh, does that in his spare time, I think. Yes, he oh, does. Yeah. No question. Uh, collateral. I cast Buzz well, and Woody the, uh, in the other, other thing to note about Collateral is that Michael Mann is emerging or maybe uh, choosing to emerge from his sort of more Oscar-y phase of his career, Insider mm-hmm. and Ali. Which are expensive movies that flop. Right. And he was supposed to be kind of both. Uh yeah, and he was supposed to be kind right. of both. Exactly. And Last of the Mohicans kind of was too. You know, yeah. like you know, yeah. he's like uh where he's like, Okay, maybe I'm not that's not what he says, but right. you know, maybe he's thinking like I should make a movie star movie that's more of a straight down the line thriller than like an Oscar. And player. I think Russell Crowe's fully anointed at this point. He's the guy who really helped push Russell Crowe over the edge. So Russell 100%. Crowe now is going to DreamWorks and going, let me read through the scripts they've had on the back burner, see mm-hmm. if I like anything. He brings it to man. And I think that's a sort of like, I have capital. I want to work with this guy. I know this guy's the real deal. Here's a movie with all of the themes that he's interested in, but it's a little more straightforward. Where so he gets yeah. on because of Crow, yeah. and then when Crow drops out, he still retains the, the same level. Man of keeps it. He because he swaps in. TC 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 fifty seven. I as have, we now so call him. I have not listened to the episodes you guys have done already because they have not. Been they have yet. not aired. Correct. So it's after all, David's Ali and raising the, like, his hand like he wants the teacher to call I'm on stretching. it. Oh. Okay. So the insider and Ali like have you know their own Oscar trajectories. Did they mm. both lose money? Like is Man coming off of these like yes. prestige yes. but bruised? Yes. They both lost substantial amounts of money. The Insider lost so much money. Guess what else? Uh, Can you tell me what studio released The Insider? Hint. It's the studio that today announced that Avatar 5 is coming out in 2026. (laughs) (laughs) The Insider. The Walt Disney Corporation. They love losing money. Released The Insider, which cost $90 million and made 30. Yep. The Insider is a four-quadrant event film. (laughs) (laughs) What if on that schedule oh, it boy. just said Untitled Insider? <laughs> Sequel. Yeah. <laughs> He's even more inside <laughs> than ever before. 
So Russell Crowe has to like lend his cred to get Michael Mann. Oh, yeah, you know, I would argue. Post yeah. Insider, obviously, right? right. Crowe has yeah. become a big star. Yeah, and I think uh, it was that idea. Crowe's going like, look, you made two movies in a row that lost a ton of money, but both well liked, and obviously the Insider got a lot of Oscar nominations, which yeah. any studio respects. But there's that thing that that we who talked did about. Ali? What studio is Ali? Uh, I want to say it's Columbia. I think. Oh yeah, of course it's Will Smith. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think, and we've talked about how Michael Mann's uh, a check was always conditional on the fact that he was always able to get one of the top stars of the moment. Yeah. yeah. He's always working one of the big five guys. 100%. Right. 100%. And in, the funny thing is that in Miami Vice, it's Jamie Foxx. Right. Right. You know, that Jamie Foxx this year, right. who Mann's already worked with, becomes mm-hmm. a big enough star that he can go up to Mann at the premiere of this movie right. and say, Michael. Right, Miami Vice. Right, <laughs> we gotta make that movie. Yeah. I the, can be tough. But then this is the run of three straight and Michael then, Mann summer action movies. Yes, totally. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. And Collateral's the one that people accept, and the other two they're kind of confused by. Collateral they accept. Miami Vice made some money, but was kind yeah. of a bomb, and people were confused by uh, Public Enemies. Made a lot of money, it did. but people were confused. By yeah, it. very confused. Black by Hat me. made no money, and people were very confused. Just because I want to <laughs> bring this Michael's up. confused. <laughs> because I want to bring this up on what the every hell is this thing? single episode katie what do you think the final domestic total on black hat was <laughs> a movie that comes out fun. after the avengers and cost a hundred million dollars. i believe yeah. the keep is where we discovered this it like, was like a february release like january, january. Yeah. okay so it's like it january came during a january yeah, yeah. yeah. During, <laughs> during like a snowstorm on top of el nino or whatever <laughs> i've already told this story before but it was one of those days where the city was like no one leave their house <laughs> right, exactly. and i was like and i'm was afraid like, black hat <laughs> Well, my thing was, I was afraid that by the time the snowstorm ended and people were allowed to leave their house, Black Hat would be out of theaters. So I went to see an 11 a.m. Black Hat on the day where they were like, all businesses are closing at one. And I was like, I might just get trapped in the Magic Johnson Theater. Right, just watching Black Hat. I might be here for four days. If the storm's as bad as they're saying, I might be here for four days because I chose to see Black Hat. You could have boosted the domestic total so much if you just. I would have kept paying every day. My paying every day would have. Increase the total. Run it again. (laughs) Okay, guess the final domestic total of Black Hat starring Thor. I I think this is going to be too high. I'm going to say 18 million. Wait. Drop drop the one. Eight million. Eight million dollars. Clear double. Did they release it wide? Like was oh. Twenty five hundred screens. They took that fucker all the way by twenty five sixty one. It was gone from theaters within a month. It, yeah, th- for three weeks it was on twenty five hundred screens. In its fourth week, oh, I'm seeing here it went down to two hundred screens. <laughs> and then its fifth week, oh, oh, oh okay. negative eight thousand screens. You know, when I talked to Soderbergh, he said this thing that I think is true, which is like, you know, immediately yeah. if your movie did well or not, right? Yeah. You know. Like the, on Friday morning, it's yeah. over, right? right? It's either over or it isn't. And there should be a button that you press that just puts it on Netflix if it flopped. Uh, yeah. Where he's like, just fuck it. You know, who cares? <laughs> like with Unsane, he was like trying to do this like, yeah, yeah we're going to do like a semi-wide release. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, on Friday we were like, oh yeah, that didn't work. Yeah. And now he's like, just put it on, put it on iTunes right now. I don't care. Uh, That's Soderbergh's take. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I think there's one outlier. In the, the last five years. Yeah, right? Yeah. I think yeah. that's the only movie well, that to was open Christmas, that right. poorly. I wonder what the conversations were like. Do you think Fox was like, fuck, 
You know, like when the numbers came in. Yeah. Or do you think there was anyone who was like, well, you never know, maybe it'll grow, or like the cinema score is good. You know, like was there someone who saw but I feel the like magic the on the horizon? Hugh Jackman saw the future. Right. And well, said, yeah, he saw the future. I, I want feel, the greatest right. show. Yeah. Well, he can see across the sea of time. Mm-hmm. I feel like when people were doing the, like the the box office analysis after that first. I weekend, love it when Katie's on because this is all we do. I know. Talk about collateral. <laughs> yeah. No, go on, go on, go on. I feel like when it came out and the people were analyzing it after that first weekend, they were like, look, it's the holiday season, so maybe it has a decent multiplier and it ends up at 60. Sure. Right. right? No, no, for it, sure. For it sure. opened at eight? Yeah, yeah, correct. Right. It opened at a black hat total? <laughs> right. <laughs> you they, they got the numbers in there like, hats. fuck, it looks like one black hat. It's a one black hat weekend. We were hoping for a three black hat weekend. What you if know? you ever spend like Christmas break, like maybe reading the news less, like, like all of a sudden you go back in January, you're like, yeah. What the fuck happened with Greatest Showman? Right, like it sneaks right, up on you, right? Because there was that second weekend where it did a hundred and eighty-seven percent of what it did the right. first week. It had a yeah. positive. Yeah. It didn't drop. So Endgame was forty-four black hats. Just FYI, <laughs> right. it's opening weekend. You're just gonna do the math now. <laughs> um, but but I feel like I, when people were Blank handicapping here. it, they were like, "Look, maybe it has a decent multiplier, and it ends up only losing eighty million dollars as opposed to a hundred and fifty million dollars." But they were like, the only play Fox has here is to try to put it on Broadway. I mean... Like, maybe they recoup it by, like, turning it into a Broadway show, but the movie's not going to work theatrically. That logic, man, you spend $50 million on a Broadway yeah, show to no recoup sense. your money. Right. That makes no sense. But people were just going, like, I guess Fox is fucked on this one. Well, in the end of the day, if you include worldwide gross, Greatest Showman was 54 Black Hats. Wow. <laughs> A full 54 Black Hats? 54 Black Hats. Wow. $434 million. Wow. For the greatest show, and but of course, it was the greatest show. It was the greatest, which show. Hugh Jackman does say like two seconds. This is the greatest, and this show. was them. They Th- sang this, all about it. It was them. Yeah, yeah, it was them. And th- America said never enough. America said <laughs> gotta never go back enough. a second time. Right? Yeah, that's true. They even said never enough reprise. Never, never, never enough. My favorite song. We had Ben for part of the conversation, and he's he's gone. He's out. Now. He's back. You up. haven't seen the greatest show? <laughs> Collateral. No, I don't like musicals. <laughs> oh, you creep. Get My dad hated musicals growing up. I'm like, he refused. I'm gonna yell at your so dad. So we were you a non-musical family. You're and, raising your kid right. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm so open to learning more about musicals, but I'm very turned off by we them. We gotta do a musical. Series. You gotta show him mm. musicals before Cats comes out. I'm yeah. worried that he sees uh, Cats. We'll lose him. I know you'll never see another one. We Cats lost a generation. Like yes. cats on Broadway. No, it kind of did. It like did. so many people, people are like, oh, that's yeah, a like, musical side. That yeah, sucks. cats and Phantom yeah, is yeah, like totally. nonsense. Like 100%. they don't know. Yeah. They don't know. They don't know. Do you like cats though? It's about cats. What you do about like cats. cats. I, have a, I have a cat named Pig. I met Pig recently and I was very happy to She's meet good. Yeah. We gotta show Ben some of the gangster musical. Oh, like, sure. Guys and dolls. dolls, anything goes. Oh, yeah, West Side Story. There's some good crime musicals, Ben. Interesting. Yeah, well, that's yeah. a true. You know, West Side Story is kind of a scumbag musical. Oh, yeah, a bunch of ruffians. Okay. You know, Marlon Brando and Frank Sinatra. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's Guys and Dolls. That's Guys and Dolls. There's a character named Nicely Nicely. <laughs> okay, wow. <Yeah. laughs> All right. I'm getting more on board. And I, you know what? I also, wish that movie was better. It's yeah. just okay. I've been yeah. hanging out with somebody. I'll give her a shout out, Nelly. Uh, she's into musicals. Wow! Whoa. So I'm. I think Huge. I might. This is insane, Ben. Wow! You better mark the time in case you need to delete this. Yeah. She's been saying that this she's going to show me a about Benny on the record. She's going to make a show me about three months from now record. about musicals. So I, I really, yeah, and she actually is going to take me to see King Kong on Broadway. Hey. Very well, as you tweeted, this I got to see. Ooh, baby, it's big. <laughs> I feel like Ben might. 
cry seeing King Kong. <laughs> yeah, on I mean, it is big. It's about as big as a musical can be. Visually stunning. I've heard the show is good. Yeah. Anyway, I've heard the first thing. <laughs> <laughs> I heard about the visually stunning part. Anyway, I'm I'm for I'm all for learning about musicals. Sure. Anything. Go- I think Ben would love Anything Goes. He'd love Anything Goes. Tap there's, dancing. You like tap there's dancing? There's not a great Anything Goes yeah. movie, as far as I know. There's one movie that is not really an adaptation. They right, changed ninety-eight percent right. of it. It's it sort of would be hard to adapt because it's very plot light. Can you I know? say something? Uh, you, I think you have, but go on on this podcast. May I say another thing? Yeah, please? no, no, no. I know. Go ahead. I've kind of always been like, I'd like to direct anything goes movie. Go for it because it's kind of one of the only classic ones that hasn't been done. Hasn't and I'm done, like, right. it doesn't feel like someone's rushing to do it. And I'm yeah. like, I could maybe like 15 years. The closest now. we've gotten is the Daddy's Boy musical number in Kimmy Schmidt. Yes, on the boat. Yes, <sighs> that is. <laughs> One of my favorite jokes in the it's history of television of is when happened. the movie is starting again. Yes. <laughs> and Robert Osborne realizes that. <laughs> Daddy's boy again? You know what Kimmy Schmidt has? Jokes. Such good jokes, especially those first. But honestly, even the like slightly weaker last two seasons, like just great jokes. Yeah. God, I just finished the Tim Robinson show. That thing fucking rules. Jokes. Oh, yeah. <sighs> that thing rules. Speaking of jokes, collateral. It's got some jokes. It's got a couple. Yeah. I mean, weirdly, like, yeah, kind of banter heavy. Well, this is Michael Mann's big pitch. Once he's really retained control and he knows that Cruz is a guy who presumably has wanted to work with him, you know, mm-hmm. he's working his way through like the big American uh, sort of Hollywood tours. Uh, he gets him on and he goes, this movie is going to unite two major box office powerhouses. Tom Cruise, and we're going to pair him with a comedy star in the role you've never seen him play before. Of course, Adam Sandler. Talking about sand. The Sandman. Right. This movie was announced as Michael Mann, Tom Cruise, pair up for collateral. And in a dark and interesting role, Adam Sandler. Is in talks. You've never seen him like this before. And why doesn't Adam Sandler do this movie? (gasps) I love this part. Because Spanglish goes over schedule. Brooks. (laughs) Jimmy. (laughs) This is your fault, Ben. Ben. (laughs) For liking Spanglish so much. It's fun. We could have had Sandler as Max. Yeah, okay. Here's a question about Adam Sandler, though. Does his, like, ability to play rage spoil some of this? Like, Possibly. Because you see, because, I mean, Jamie Foxx wasn't exactly, like, you know, like, known for calm performances, but there's something about his meekness yes. that you it's watch very it against grow. type for him. It's yeah. very impressive. I know what you mean. But this is a year after, it would have been a year after Punch Dunk Love, yeah. which is similarly sort of, like, meek plus boiling. He's like, so good at playing He could have done that. Yeah. I don't know. But I, I wonder if you, would, you, if never you watch him step up at the end, you'd be like, okay, well, I know Adam Sandler can like work himself into a rage and punch yeah. somebody. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sandler's great. What do you think of Sandler, Katie? Do you hate Sandler? No, I mean, I feel like I grew up around him enough. The same with everybody else. You kind of like, you know, I'd like the the wedding singer was like a rom-com very dear to my heart in it's 1998. So it is. Like, I, I pulled up a video yeah. of him saying that could have been brought to my attention yesterday. Yeah. Like, I think about that all of the time. I, I kind of think that's a perfect movie. Wedding Singer is a perfect movie? <laughs> I, think I haven't seen The Wedding movie. Singer in close to 20 years yeah, so I don't probably know probably the yeah. same for me too right. I mean aren't you, aren't you always spend. just kind of <laughs> wishing Adam Sandler would do better like it's, just, yeah, it's the thing course. where he makes yeah. um oh fuck the Judd Apatow movie not grown ups the, uh, funny, funny people funny people She's phenomenal. and you're yeah. like oh okay he gets it and then it's right. like oh hmm you know what was appealing about the idea of him being in this it's that every other time he's given a sort of serious performance, he's put himself in the hands of like a serious filmmaker, you know? Yeah. The premise has been pretty aggressively uncommercial. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this was one of the only times that he was going to be playing a more serious role yeah. in a premise that kind of worked as a summer movie. Yeah. Because it feels like the thing that always scared him off. And I The think other it, one is Inglorious Bastards. Right. 
Right, which is would have been cool. He was too. supposed to play the Eli Roth part. Yeah, right. I did right. know that. Right. right, Eli Roth is really good in that movie, but yeah, yeah, he's fine he's in that movie. Fine. Yeah, I would say he's fine. Yeah. yeah, he's got the look. And they cut down the part a lot when Sandler didn't. Do sure, it. sure. I assume with Sandler, right. there was a, a whole chapter they shot of the movie that is his hometown. Oh. Where like Cloris Leachman was cast and a bunch of big actors like who weren't the in the movie, show? right? <laughs> and I imagine uh, it was because uh, maybe Eli Roth couldn't uh, handle that act. much, mm. right? Right. Um, but but yes, that that whole aspect of it is really exciting. And you saying like, would knowing he has the rage in him sort of spoil the arc of the character? My argument is it wouldn't because it's in such a different zone mm-hmm. that the rage would still have to be manifested through him seeming cool and dangerous. Which is a thing he's never done. Mm-hmm. When he gets angry in movies, it's so childish. Oh, you're thinking about like when he has to go in and talk to Javier Bardem and like right. play it as cool as possible that and, be cool. and be intimidating, like, not here's childish. Like, here's Jimmy a crazy Fox thing I want to say. Fucking annihilates that. Scene. I agree. Yeah, he really does. But go here's ahead. what I want to say: If Adam Sandler with his star persona, you're going to be wrong. I know what you're going to say, and it's going to be wrong. <laughs> had executed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This this performance. Right in his own way, yeah, yeah, that yeah, scene yeah. at the same level, I think he would have won the Oscar. Yeah, you're wrong. But that's a great pitch. If he had pulled that scene off, because that was the scene where I think everyone went, "Oh fuck, Jamie Fox." Yeah. Now, who beat Fox this year? Obviously, Fox is not going to win because he is he winning best, lead best actor. actor. I was just going to look this up. Were Morgan you? Freeman, Million Dollar Baby. <sighs> right. A performance right. I would argue has not held up incredibly well. Well, well that was a career Oscar. Thrill. Right, 100%. He's, he's got the one great moment in that yeah, movie. He's fine in that movie. He's pr- arguably the worst performance in that movie. He won Best Supporting Actor in 2005 for Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. <laughs> that and, was 100% course, his Shawshank makeup. Yeah. It had hit such a cultural saturation. Well, it was he couldn't be nominated without winning. It was one of those right. things where if he'd been nominated for like Farty Pants, you know, the right. the, the Idiot story. He, he hadn't won. been Wait, nominated. What's this about? It's this guy who's got real fun <laughs> pants. Yeah. Okay. Throw it on the blank check, like, picture slate. Um, like, he had not been nominated for a while, a while. at that point. Yeah, yeah uh, his last nomination was for the Shawshank Redemption. Wow, because yeah, he, so that was his he made garbage. I mean, no offense to Morgan Freeman, yeah. but that was when he entered his sort of deep impact zone where it's like, Everyone wanted the gravitas. He played right? God and Bruce Almighty. Right. Like, yes. right. Yeah. Right. And they were, you know, he did. All right, he didn't totally make because he made like seven, which he's really good. And he made yes. Amistad, which he's really good. And he did make occasionally like work with Big Drip, but he's doing a lot of like the uh, Alex Cross movies. Mm. Mm-hmm. He's doing a mm-hmm. uh, uh, Dreamcatcher. <laughs> Uh, anyway, yes. Well, you got to be careful with this with this revisionist history, though, because if you take that Oscar away, then maybe he goes and wins for uh, best actor in a leading role in Invictus. Yeah. Oh, everyone's not a uh, great performance. Most memorable, though. You know, uh, Trevor Noah. I was listening to. He was on, I think, Simmons, one of the podcasts, mm-hmm. and he said that uh, Matt Damon in Invictus is the best South African accent he's ever heard in a movie. I think they gave him an Oscar nomination just for the accent. He did. Like, Trevor Noah was like, I don't know what he did, but he sounds correct. That like, role is so thankless in that movie because that movie is so poorly written. And the yeah, only thing that Damon really does is nail that accent. He, he nails the accent. So, Stuart Beatty, mm-hmm. he's Australian. Mm-hmm. He took a cab. Oh. And he thought, what if there was a crazy person in the cab? He writes a treatment. It's called Crazy Taxi. <laughs> He pitches it to Sega. Go ahead and pick your car and driver. That's my impression of the crazy taxi hey, menu. I gotta get across town now. <laughs> Hold on, let's play Goldfinger. Hey, take take me to a wait, wait, like it's like, there's like Chicken Shack. You know, you always have yeah. to go to like some you know, Pizza Shack, anything like that. Oh. Joe yeah, Fisher. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did you play Crazy Taxi? No, Katie? this is none of this is nothing Great, yeah. to me. Uh, what was it, it on Sega? It was on we, Sega we Dreamcast. Didn't have Sega. Yeah. We were a Nintendo family. Uh, anyway. 
No, it's called The Last Domino. And then, Why aren't you applauding? Then the, <laughs> <laughs> then the Kieran David Isla threw his hands out like it was a victory lap. <laughs> the last domino, just the worst treatment title. So Go, the Kieran Knightley domino comes out and kicks the title exactly. away, right? That's the only reason. Oh, really? I don't know. No, no. Uh, I just have did, my name is Domino out around the same time. Yeah. They, they did come around, around the same time. Domino Hoff. The original story centered around an African-American female cop who witnesses a hit and the romance between a cab driver. What the fuck? It doesn't Sounds bad. But uh, this is, I feel like, a definitive L.A. movie. Even yes. in my limited knowledge of the city, I feel like this is a movie that uh, understands the city so well. Oh, can I offer a correction quickly? Yeah, sure. I bagged on L.A. in some recent episode. I don't you remember. You were bagging on L.A. I was bagging on it. You it came out. People pissed. were angry. In my defense, I had just come from L.A. The city of <laughs> angels. La La Land. But I was griping about the fact that in L.A. at Starbucks and all these places we went to, they had these warnings that were like, uh, may yeah, cause they, they, oh, cancer. Yeah, they, they, yeah, right. Which is some About just, coffee? About everything. Anything in the air. It's some crazy restrictive okay, law well, they passed. Well, right. so that's what I thought. And okay. here's where I've been corrected. Mm. Okay. Those warnings are about things that exist uh, worldwide that L.A. is the only city that's passed laws to warn to people To acknowledge. Against. Oh, shit. Katie's phone's going Never off. Never mind. That was Katie's a, phone's going My Spotify okay. Oh, your Spotify's going off. Yeah. What right. are you listening to? Uh, Vampire Weekend. Uh, the new, the new one. Yeah. Yeah. Really the, like the new fella. I am in love with Ween right now, and I can't stop. <laughs> I was listening. I found a Spotify playlist called Jock Jams. <laughs> <laughs> that was my walking music today. <laughs> are you sure that's a playlist and it's not just the album Jock Jams? <laughs> a, a, a tape that made its way from 1993? No, it's, it's things like, it's like Lose Yourself, uh, Black Skinhead, uh, you know, like any music that like an asshole listens to in the gym. <laughs> so it's you know essentially what, I mean? what would have been Jock Jams 24. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are we back in? Yeah, oh, we're yeah, back. Yeah. I want to say this. Oh, that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> that thing that Jeff definitely just happened in the studio in real time. Maybe we didn't even sell an ad. Who knows? <laughs> and that it's, was even weirder. It was an ad for, it was an ad for it was just silence. <laughs> it works either way. It was a perfect then We have to record an ad that's like, uh, hey, guys, we didn't record an ad, but uh, <laughs> 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 just do something weird. And then I'll look correct. All right. Jamie Foxx, Max Durocher. Yes. He's a cab driver. He's meticulous. Here's the thing I love in this movie. You start with him checking the lights. Everything. You know, the cleanest cab cleaning. in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing I love about this movie. I think this is one of the only movies where a quote-unquote normal guy looks like a normal guy. His outfit is so fucking good in this movie. Because I just feel like even when people are supposed to be just like fucking every man, mm-hmm. right. it's like a little bit like, too get designed. Out of here. That's a movie star. That's Michael yeah. Mann's clothes. This is personal clothes, <laughs> right? That's what. Hey, Jamie, you wear hoodies. <laughs> hey. just, there's something about his glasses. Yeah, the, gla- the combination the of the hoodie glasses. and the shirt. Yeah, I mean, Jamie Foxx is a handsome man, but he's yeah. not like like he can wear normal clothes. You'd be like, oh yeah, he he can be a cab driver. Yes, he's just right because you need him to be attractive enough that Jada Pinkett Smith is gonna give. Uh, him her card yeah. right you need him to at least be somewhat like charming mm-hmm. in that scene well and that scene is so tricky I mean, especially I right think people are more aware of it now you're like oh cab driver hitting on you is like the worst nightmare yes. and right. that scene right. plays he doesn't so hit on her. well he doesn't no he doesn't she hits on him she's got kind he's just got an interesting vibe and yeah. she sort of like realizes that and you're right it's so well written because at first like they're arguing over the route to take yeah but it's sort of like a friendly argument, you know, and then it just sort of like merges into conversation. Yeah, right? and you're waiting for him to be like, so if you're in town for a couple of days, yeah. and he doesn't do it, which is smart. That's how you get passengers. I will say, I do think it's an L.A. thing. 
when I go out to when LA, you, same when I go when anywhere I'm, outside like, of New York. Now. Honestly, you talk to your driver. Oh yes. yeah. Whereas in New York, like that doesn't really happen. It's really just not part of the. But thing. especially in LA, because if you're driving a car all day, you like you feel like you don't exist. <laughs> yeah, sure. Right. Yeah. If yeah, that yeah, makes yeah. sense, yeah, you yeah, know, because yeah, yeah, in New yeah. York, you're like seeing so much. Yeah, it's crazy. And the second you get off your shift, you're like in the middle of the city. Yeah. In LA, I, I have never had a lift in which uh, a driver doesn't uh, attempt to have an extensive, in-depth conversation. Does with that me. drive you insane? Uh, a little bit, because uh, I will walk into the car with headphones on. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Sometimes, obviously, you do not want to have a conversation. Right, I will make right. several serious phone calls. <laughs> Oh, fuck, I guess I got to call my grandmother now. <laughs> it's the only way out, you know? You just call other grandmas. Yeah. You call Irma P. Hall. Yeah. I literally... Irma P. Hall, she is. She is, yeah. She's a former school teacher. That's what um, yeah. Michael Mann said. But this is... You saying this scene is tricky. It's like another uh, uh, tell that Fox is so in the pocket in this that you just like completely buy that there's nothing nefarious nor annoying about him yeah. yeah he's fussy but that's okay yeah yeah and, and he's not like some like innocent where i just was like you don't believe that he can like live in oblivious. los angeles right yeah. right, right but right, she right, makes right. it clear that she doesn't really want to talk and he finds a way to keep the scene going yeah mm-hmm. without, without going Fox like this her. fucking god yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah uh and she's so good in this she is so good in this movie yeah. and especially this first scene how right, long yeah. after this did she stop like really taking major it's acting such roles. such a shame. It wasn't that this. long. It's because she's one of the ones that uh, is handing off from the last movie. She's in Ali for right. a hot second and she's so good in it. And she's coming off the Matrix sequels where she was like the much hype new cast edition. The next mm-hmm. year she does Madagascar. Yep. Two hey. years after that she does Rain Over Me which she's sort of the fourth lead in. Uh, yes. Uh, third. I'd say she's the third, the third lead in that. Yeah. Sure. Oh, it's like REI. It's a uh, Adam Sandler playing uh, Tim Burton. We, we, yes, we've he talked. He looks about like Tim Burton. Oh, I thought it was like. Uh, it's like the one that. where yeah, Donald no, Sutherland is the judge. Goes shut up, yeah. shut up to B J Novak. Yeah. Um, the woman. She was in the woman. The women. The woman. Oh, the women. I was saying it yeah. wrong. The women. Right. The yeah. women. <laughs> that remake of the women that nobody asked for and nobody saw. And yeah. she directed a movie called The Human Contract, uh, which I believe we've also talked about on this movie with Path Vega of Spanglish. Right. She also had a new metal band. And then band. after that, um, it's... Yeah, new metal band. Uh, Wicked Prayer? Yeah. Yeah. Right. But after that, Hawthorne? her next non... Yeah, Hawthorne. But her she's next uh, non-cartoon yes. role is Magic Mike XXL. Right. Which oh, she's so good She's in. So, so good. good in that. She's on my ballot for that. Yeah, she should have gotten a supporting actress nominee that and, year. You know, and then she did Bad Mom. She did Girls Trip. Like, now she might pop up. I assume she'll be in Girls trip again or whatever it's called but it is kind of uh interesting and i think telling she she did one of those uh i think it was was it was it the vandy fair of it or was it an Esquire one where it was like her career i think she did it was for A vandy video? fair that was like my career retrospective oh. and she was going through all her performances mm. and uh she's uh it, it First of all, watch it. Uh, I she's uh, an actress. It's I love. You're, I know what you're talking about. Oh, it's GQ. the one where the actor just sits down and then they're like. Uh, Tropic Thunder, and then it's like you know, no, they, no because it that wasn't one? that one. That's okay. why I think it was Fanny. All right, fine. Whatever. There are a couple here. There's the one like my my big roles, and there's one that's like my career in review or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, whatever the point is. Uh, watching her talk about her entire career made me respect her even more than I already did. Um, but I think uh, it is very telling that she has uh, not followed up Girls Trip with a bunch of comedies. She uh, doesn't need to. She's, right. yeah, she doesn't have she doesn't to. Want the, to. It's that right. thing. And and when she was like, my favorite role I've ever played is Fish Mooney in Gotham. Right. And she's like, I fought so hard for that. I came into the audition with two like giant Fish. Mastiff dogs <laughs> and was like, you better give me this role. And they were like, 
You want to be in Gotham? Yeah, right. you can have the role. You can be <laughs> Batman. She talks <laughs> about care. She talks about Wicked Prayer a lot. Yeah. Like as good as she is in things like Girls Trip or in this, she's great in Girls Trip. I get the sense that she like uh, is uh, greatly prefers playing lunatics. <laughs> she is so good in this as a pro. Come on, yeah. Katie, talk Jada. To me. I mean, she is good at being a pro who you don't forget about. Like, she's yeah, like in the very beginning of the movie. You kind of right. know that she's coming. I mean, I don't like, I'm not the best at piecing together plots, but it yeah. became very clear after a while. I was like, oh, yeah, they're killing witnesses. I bet that the defense case or the prosecutor yeah. case she's got is coming up. I mean, you, it's a, it has to happen. Yeah, it's a thriller plot. But like, this you know, is a movie that's lobbing famous people at you, and maybe they're not going to turn out to be a big true. deal. That's true. So it sort of yeah. has that. When in its Debbie pocket. Mazar shows up at the beginning, oh, yeah. I was like, fuck, what's going on? I, I remember here? watching it thinking this is like an incredible one scene performance. Right. They uh-huh. got someone this overqualified because that one scene kind of has to set and up the emotional it's Michael states. Mann. Right. right. Yeah. Right. Sure. You need that scene to really have impact. So the twist got you is what you're saying? Like, yeah, because yeah. I assumed that like at the end of his crazy day, he'll call Jada Pinkett and the emotional resolution. So of the you movie knew the card be... was going to come into play, but you didn't think it would be. I thought I thought it would heavy. be an emotional payoff and yeah. not a plot payoff. Mm-hmm. I, I remembered being genuinely impressed by that because sure. of, you know, the austereness of the film made me believe they could have someone that good sell one scene that hard. It's such a good scene. It's yeah. so good. I think it's a great scene. I do too. And they don't keep cutting back to her so you can kind of like right. believe that she's out of the totally. narrative. She's a clean out. Well, I mean, and, right, right, which man really likes. He he uses digital photography in this film. Right. He I heard. Wa- he uses it's it. It's like 60-40 in this one. Yes. Right? Yeah. He says he uses it mostly inside the car because he wants uh, to you to see what's outside the car. Mm-hmm. Right. Which, like, on a film camera, you probably wouldn't. It at would be night, too, very blurry, with that sort of, like, infinite depth of field, that's yeah. something that you couldn't do. Because he right. wants you to see L.A. Yes. Uh, every The commentary is mostly him pointing out every location and being like, that. what this is, is this is a bodega on, like, Sepulveda. You know, it's like that. <laughs> yeah. The whole So all the, like, movie. overhead shots, like helicopter shots, those are all filmed? I assume so. I don't know. A I'm lot not of the interiors genius. are filmed. I know this yeah. is the nightclub was filmed. Yeah. 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 Oh, that scene. Because I, I watched this like on iTunes on my like somewhat old television. Mm, like fine. I thought I'd be able to tell the difference between the digital and the film and I couldn't because I remember yeah. at this point like if you shot something Watch on digital everybody yeah. like it looks awful. It's I think there's certain moments that stand out a little bit more as one or the other. Yeah. But it, but it was at the time it was so stunning to be like wait this is a big Tom Cruise movie and it has shots has that look this digital? bad in it. Right. Yeah. It has shots mm-hmm. that look this. DD. Right. This looks like a home video. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. I remember it being like a very unnerving it thing. It looks in- Incredible, I think. Like, I think now it doesn't stick out as yeah, much because you're I'm just w- like you've. Most blockbusters look like. I this guess now. that's yeah. what it is. Like my eyes have changed. Right. I remember Public Enemies being the same thing. People well, yeah. like, Public it's Enemies, movie. it's really it's drastic. more jarring. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Well, and also because it's the period. The period thing, thing. Like, yeah. makes really it feel really incongruous. Yeah, like the right. sleek LA streets thing really fits the digital. Right, and, and that's night. It's just crisp. like right, crisp. Uh, it is. I mean, you've been buying like the Blu-rays of the Michael Manns you don't have and writing them off. Do you know why I haven't been doing it? Why not? Because like. All of these movies, I'm like, I want to wait for that to be like a 4K thing. Yeah, well, that's mm-hmm. fair. That's fair. Especially because all these like post 2000 ones are like so on the forefront. Yeah, so you want it in 4000. Lines of resolution. Yes. <laughs> yes. And the episode. That's it. Oh, cool. All right. Thanks, guys. Yep. That was uh, so, Tommy Cruz Tommy as Cruise. Vincent. We see him pick up his briefcase from Jason Statham. Jason Statham's all right, bruv. Right. There's your fucking briefcase in it. Yeah. Um, he a boxer? <laughs> He's a fucking boxer. <laughs> Assassin boxer. Yeah. Box you to death. Yeah. Are you going to uh, play your music cue? You were pumping yourself up before we started recording. Oh, oh anytime you want to play uh, that, that's fine. We can. That's later. That's when he steals the briefcase. Oh, that's true. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. 
Vincent uh, gets the fare. Gets he, you know he, right. He's gets, a silver fox terminator. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But Looking he's also great. very like existential. Yeah, for he's, sure. Once he he's starts, emotionless but existential, which is a really interesting. He definitely wants to talk to Max. Oh yeah, like he's ready to chat. He's got a lot of thoughts on the human condition. Well, yes. he trots out that story about the guy dying on the L.A. subway like right away, right like away. well right before away. anything has right. happened. But I mean, like again, so easy for this to be hacky. The sort of existential hitman, like the, it'd be like John Travolta's yeah. Swordfish. He'd be like opining on God knows what. Right. It'd be like some Tarantino ripoff. Right. Right. But in this, it doesn't feel like the movie is presenting it as profundity. It's like the movie is going like, yeah, this guy's that scary. Yeah, this guy's mm-hmm. weird. Right. Like after yeah. killing people, he just wants to sit in the back seat and being like, so what are your life dreams? Uh, You're <laughs> never going to accomplish anything. <laughs> to, to man, the crucial line is, uh, I didn't kill him. I shot him. The bullets in the fall killed him. Right. Which, which also, is sort of like a joke, but also how he thinks about but it. But also mm. when we talk about like stories about Michael Mann, right. a lot of them sound like this character minus the murders. <laughs> Like Michael Mann conversationally, I think is probably pretty similar to Vincent. Um, uh, what do I? I, I, I took some no notes No bullshit on filter, kind of conversationally antagonistic. Well, that's why these actors like working with him, right? Right. Like someone who's going to kind of like look at them and be like, "Hmm, but do you really want to do that?" It's Tom a lot Cruise? of these alpha males who want to feel challenged mm-hmm. by a guy. It's, mm-hmm. the, it's the Bobby Knight thing of like they want him to push him. So he's got the adrenaline before he goes yeah, on the Yeah, there's court. a reason that Michael Mann doesn't work with actresses over and over again, probably. Correct. Jada Pinkett Smith. Jada Pinkett Smith. Oh, that's true. Right. But no, yes. She gets, she gets in I and mean, out, and once again. Dan Menorah. He, he works with actresses to play small supporting roles in his films over right. and over again, not but, lead but roles. But this is, like, at this point, the best female character he's ever had in a movie. Probably. <laughs> uh, I'm like, uh, well, Madeline Stowe. Yeah, I mean, but yeah. anyway, yeah. Um, I think it's important that Vincent and Max Bond over their shared obsessive compulsiveness. Yes. Like Vincent mm-hmm. likes that Max knows the traffic lights so, like basically, you right. know, that he's but like it's seven this minutes, great. not six minutes, not eight minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's the beautiful thing, you're repeating it because uh Jada Pinkett, yeah. while doing all her work in the back seat, right. is angry about his sort of know it all control of the thing. Mm-hmm. They make the bet about it, which is cute. Right. And then it pays off with them starting to bond because he was proven right. Tom Cruise, when he sees that Jamie Foxx was right, is like <laughs> you know, like he just sort of like yes, 100%. Yeah, he's like a fellow Terminator professional. Like, into him. Yeah. He's but, not some hapless guy who's like being dragged along. Like right. he is a pro at what he's doing. He's gonna be able to drive that cab around LA all night. It's its own form of a meat cute because this is the <laughs> one thing. And we've already seen the Fox Pinkett meet cute where right. Fox talks about island limos. He talks yeah. about the little postcard the he has. All he that gives stuff her the is nice, really good. Yeah. Um, I feel Jamie melt with Jada's eyes look up at him. That's something that Ma- 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 Michael Mann says during the commentary in their <laughs> flirting scene. Um, and then uh, Vincent's the guy who, when they're talking about island limos, immediately is kind of rude and gets to the reality. Right, of that's it. your yeah. your big plan, right? Yeah. yeah, where he's like, "How long have you been driving? Twelve years." And yeah. Vince is kind of like, "Oh, okay." Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, I also think it's nice though. Ben, this itchy trigger finger over here. <laughs> oh, my God. I think it's nice that, like, once again, like, in line with the fact that Jimmy Fox actually looks like a person in this movie, mm-hmm. that his dream isn't something completely outlandish. You rarely see people in movies having dreams that, in a movie, 
feel this modest. Yeah, but in their life, feel yeah. very modest. You would think he'd be like, yeah, I'm going to be rich and famous. Like, no, he's like, I want to run a record label. better car service yeah. company. Right. Right. Well, and that's that monologue from the beginning where he just needs a payment on one Lincoln Town car and right. he can't get that. So, like, the, the modesty of it means that it's not just not being able to do it. Like, he is stopping himself from achieving this dream. But, but that thing that I certainly feel with LA drivers, like, you hear them all the time talk about, like, the limo company they're trying to start and getting the connections, sure. the contact list, right. you know? You the client list. Right. right. All of that sort of stuff um michael mann and jamie fox sat down and wrote down the business plan for the limo cool (laughs) like literally they were like let's see what jamie what this character needs yeah how much he's got and how much is left you know for him to actually start a limo company i love that it's like such an art for him too the line about like they won't even want to get out of the car yeah Mm -hmm. and you can tell that it's like this guy really cares about this fucking thing it makes me uncomfortable yeah (laughs) To so, like it, see someone it, like want something like that. You mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. you mean right? You feel like bad right. for him, right? I feel right. bad for the him. The desperation of it is, but, but it it's like effective. Like I remember feeling yeah. really bad for him watching it the first time. Yeah. But it makes you really care for the guy because you're just like, God, I just want him. It's it seems like that should be easy enough to accomplish. Yeah. They go to a stop. Yeah. Uh, Max offers him the six hundred dollars. He said, flashes. flashes the money. Yeah. To let me book you for the night, essentially. And this is when he's playing like full Tom Cruise, like shit eating, so grand charm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, assassinate someone. The guy falls out the window onto the cab. Yeah. Tom and Cruise then is we're like, off cool. to the races. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Help me get this body. Take the hands. Right. <laughs> Pour some Aquafina onto the roof. Great. We're settled. Okay. Um, yeah, you kind of get the idea that Vincent sort of like likes testing the boundaries of his uh, existence. You know what I mean? Well, like, like he wanted the the body to fall on the car. He could do this better. Like right. he doesn't need to take a cab. Like he could probably get a car, but like also, an unmarked car. Or whatever. What are two things we find out later in this movie? One, he does it all the time. Right. This yeah. is his. He loves operandum. to do the cab thing. Right. The cab thing. Yeah. Right. And two, he never meets any of the people he works with right. directly. Right. Other than his targets, mm-hmm. he keeps himself clean. Which means he has almost no human connection. Correct. Because right. even other hitmen have the people they're like answering to. Mm-hmm. You know, you watch a show like Barry that's so Great much show. about the weird, uncomfortable relationship between like Barry and Steven Root. And this, he doesn't, he refuses to meet the Steven Root. Right. So you have to imagine, aside from just having like a good alibi, a clean person to pin it on, he also cherishes that like 100%. whatever dumb cab driver mm-hmm. he gets yeah. for the night is the only human connection he has. Yeah. yeah. This guy doesn't have a sex life. This Probably guy doesn't not. have a family that like, he talks to. He's such a professional that he has given up on all of those. Yeah, things. he's right, like yeah. Robert De Niro in Heat dialed to a thousand, where <laughs> right, it's yeah. like he really has nothing. But it's the same thing as the Baba Shaka Henley thing, where it's like how much Barry of this- Shabaka Henley. I always get his name wrong. <laughs> Andy Levi. <laughs> oh, boy, that was embarrassing. <laughs> um, Levy? It, I can't remember what you did. I did Levy, right, 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 right like right. Eugene. Um, it's that thing where it's like, I, I think- he knows that he's going to close that loop. So the only people he can get to know are the people he's going to kill or who he's going to send to the slaughter to be arrested, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he cherishes the fact that he can actually talk to them. So it's like, how much of the Henley thing is him just waiting for the bar to clear out? And how much of it is him going, I want to get there early so I can have two hours of conversation with a guy who knows about jazz? Because I think he genuinely likes that conversation. Oh, he yeah. loves that conversation. Yeah. Right. It's the one killing he shows regret for. He right. feel, you can tell he feels kind of bad. 
the right. line, "What a great story!" Yeah, it's. Yeah. I oh. mean, TC kills the line reading, TC and it, like I, I love it. It's so good. I rewatched that just that one line when yeah. I watched this movie. Well, and that's like the star persona that he's so famous for, where he looks you in the eye and you're like, "I believe anything that you'll tell me." Like the cult leader thing, and he says that in that moment, and you're like, "I, I do think you thought that was a great story." Mm-hmm. There's a beautiful thing that when like they don't change the the eye line, mm-hmm. uh, when uh, Jamie Foxx gets wise to what's going on. Uh, Tom Cruise never breaks eye contact with Henley. No. Mm. And Jamie Foxx is saying stuff. And I'm like, come on, man, you don't have to do right, this. Right. You can send him a He never away. looks at Max. Uh-huh. Right. And so often the way you would cover a scene like this is you would get a new angle yeah. where even if Cruise isn't breaking eye contact, you would get the shot from Foxx's POV yeah. where you're watching the guy looking off, not towards you saying things. Yeah. But instead you stay in the shot that's like Henley's POV right. where it feels like Tom Cruise is staring at you mm-hmm. and he is talking to a third person yeah. who he's not looking at. And it's terrifying. He's like, he's a monster. The man said, I mean, Cruz is very, like he's, anytime he's looking at something, it's because he's looking for the cops. He's looking for anyone who's noticing him. Anytime he shoots someone, he immediately checks every angle. Mm -hmm. When he's going to kill Henley, the only time he looks away is when he's checking that the waitress is gone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like you want him to understand that this guy has like cameras in his head, essentially. Yeah. Like that's how evolved he is. He's got the Terminator Robocop vision. And he's also shooting live rounds. Which apparently Cruz had never done before. What? Because no one does that. Right. But man in the commentary is like, it just feels different from blanks. You know, if you're shooting a real gun, the lethal force in your hand. Oh my God. Also, everyone in this movie who's not Tom Cruise or Jamie Foxx or whoever is some fucking cop or gangster that Michael Mann knows. (laughs) Half the other half of the commentary is like, that big guy over there is like this guy called, you know, Jimmy the Big Shot. (laughs) I I met him making robbery, homicide division. He he mugged me, pulled me into an alley, (laughs) put a knife to my throat. I offered him an under five. He got his SAG card. Oh, <laughs> so then if that happens, then when Mark <laughs> Ruffalo shows up with his <laughs> R- Ruffalo, so, so Ruffalo shows up. He's Mark Ruffalo. And he's got his like slicked back hair and his earring. Like, what are these real cops thinking of Mark Ruffalo? Let me tell you. Oh my god! I'm so glad to listen to I'm the so commentary. Excited to get to Mark, Mark Ruffalo. Ruffalo shadowed an undercover narc called. Q <laughs> for six weeks, who apparently looks exactly like that. So he just brought in the photo and was like, "This yeah, is what this I'm is look what like. I'm going to yeah. look like." Slick back hair, weird sort of soul patchy goatee, diamond earring. Like this, well, it's one of the, the things way I he love holsters his gun is yeah. apparently like the exact. You know, I Mark lo- Ruffalo is fantastic. Oh, in this so the movie. fact that this came out the year after Thirteen going on Thirty is just like <laughs> my, Mark right. Ruffalo's career at this point was so strange. This was kind of one of his rare serious acting roles yeah. in the middle of his romantic comedy of, wilderness. That sort of yeah. valley in his career. Right? Well, it's the same year as Eternal Sunshine, but he's like kind of cute and charming oh, yes. in that. He's like, very good yeah, in that. Yeah, but the, but the like, darkness type. of this yes. is like really right. rare for him. The fact that he's in it, like I've seen Collateral 50 times. Every time he shows up, I'm like, right, right. Okay, yeah, right. <laughs> I forgot. He's the fourth lead. Right, well, they, yes. right. they wait like 30 or 40 minutes to introduce and him. And then he's sniffing on the, he's like one case behind you know one assassin behind them yeah. i remember seeing that he was on the fucking credit block on the poster but he wasn't in the trailers at all so mm-hmm. when he's introduced i went oh i guess he's playing another criminal yeah right, like i right, genuinely right. buy i totally did too which i love this thing where it's like here's this guy who's gone so deep into this disgusting grease bag character with this gross look and the slick back hair he's hot he's hot but Super you know hot. but remember when ca- he was hulk, hot, 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 hulk? Oh. hot hulk remember that scene in endgame when hulk and i fucked yeah <laughs> yeah that's what people, you know, it's so surprising. People said, <laughs> we just I did. haven't seen it. <laughs> people have been complaining about the fact that there wasn't, 
an after credit scene in Avengers Endgame. Right, right. <laughs> when there's was. clearly 40 minutes yeah, just sex. of it, just Daddy Hulk fucking you. It had an NC-17 rating, and yes. I thought that was weird. Yeah, it made $350 million anyway. He just fucks anyway. you, and you say thank you a bunch. No, no, it's nice. It's nice. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> he's, you, you can't, Ben, he's so hot in Endgame. He's so hot. He's really ben hot. Has decided he wears not, a cardigan. It's incredible. Ben has decided not to watch Endgame until um, we do the, the commentary, commentary, because yeah. like, we asked what him do you care? Well, also, what does he care? I don't yeah. care. Did you even see Infinity War? Um, the one with Thanos? Where they turned to dust at the yeah. end? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you did see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't see it in theaters. Fair enough. Right. Fair enough. I watch it on a plane. Yeah, yeah, I'm like as the Russo's Griffin intended. asked, "Why don't we do a fresh take?" I could totally take you myself felt, out yeah, of the running. Nothing. I'm fine. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, Hulk is Abby in Endgame, though. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so in Collateral, uh, yeah, the Hitman and whatever, right? Oh, I was gonna say the thing I like is that he's so deep in this character. He walks mm. into this apartment. He's like, "This is the day I'm finally gonna like catch my guy." Yeah. And then he realizes the dude's already been pushed out a window. Right. And now he's just stuck essentially in character. Right. Now on like an active homicide case. Right. You know, so all the other cops like Peter Berg and everyone when they're coming in, they clearly are like, this fucking guy, like yeah. he's like this undercover dude. This isn't your case. Yeah, it's not. This isn't right. your territory. And he like ends up with the FBI and the FBI are like, oh, this is big. This is so much bigger than you think right, it is. But you right. imagine he's been undercover for months and months and months where yeah. he's like, I'm not going to just leave this right. thing. I, I need closure on it. Right. And so he looks like a fucking like a, like a mook, like the whole movie. Mm-hmm. He looks you know? like a mook and then he gets shot. Yes. Oh, and he dies. Man. A brutal death. It's incredible. Brutal. And it's yeah. such a good, I love that like storytelling, like sort of knife twist where it's like someone has is on his side and has figured Finally. it out. Yeah. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Right. Let's blow him away. Right. Like seconds. And like, you live in that comfort for 90 seconds. Yeah, right. and you He's don't like, think that's the end of the Max, movie. Like, yes. like, but you figured that's where it's headed. And then Tom yeah. Cruise is like, no, I'm fucking Terminator. Right. <laughs> but not only that, when Tom Cruise shoots him, he's like, I got that annoying yeah, guy on. away from you. Come on, let's come on, go. Come on. <laughs> it's no. like your worst friend. There's the scene after, you know, so after the first killing, uh, he zip ties uh, Jamie uh, Max's hands yeah. to the yeah. wheel to do the second assassination. And the two guys hassle him. Ben Hosley and Ben Hosley Jr. show up. <laughs> the Hosley brothers. Being like, hey, man, what's up? What, you zip tied to your cab? Oh, weird, huh? Oh, too bad. I'm taking your money. <laughs> It is kind of an incredible. <laughs> when he's like, give me your wallet. And he's like, I can't. My hands are tied to the steering wheel. And he goes, did you hear me? I said, give me your wallet. Clearly, you don't hear me. Right. Uh, but the, I, that's. Uh, I'll give Vincent, you a moment. Vincent shooting them where he, you know, the tap, tap head. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then like he gets the other guy two taps. And then as he's like going to pick up his bag, he head. gets him in the head. Yeah. He's he's got a style. Not even looking at them, just looking at checking his sixes. You he's know? got a signature. Yeah, it does seem like someone should have heard those gunshots. Like They're I don't loud. know how criminal LA was in two thousand four, but like well, there's a lot of LA's people like, right of around alleys, the corner. That's though, true. You know? and no one's walking. That's the other thing. Yeah. Someone. He's more. I think he's more checking to see if someone's like calling. Yeah. Yeah. If, right. Your fear would be someone calls it in. Yeah. But at that point, you're gone. I guess. Right. Um, but, but then there's the, uh, the it happens right before this when Cruz makes him call his supervisor. I think it's the supervisor right. calls in. Oh, well, that's that. Yeah, the supervisor scene. But there's also the cop. Sh- pu- right, cops we should talk about over. that. Yeah. Uh, R- Richard uh, T. Jones. He's Richard T. Jones. He's an exceptional actor. He's in uh, Judge and Amy, which uh, I, Amy Brennan and I did heat with. That was Michael Mann's explanation Doubled. for who he is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then the other guy is a real cop. Okay. Yeah. Uh, who arrested Michael Mann. <laughs> <Right. Okay. laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, what if that's Michael Mann? The only reason he makes movies is like, shit, I need seven roles. <laughs> I've been promising right. them all over town. Right. Anytime any criminal or cop has him in a corner. It's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll create a TV show called yeah. Robbery Homicide yeah. Division. Everyone can he be in it. He calls his agent. He's like, give me a script with 87 speaking parts. I've had a rough week. The Bulls. The Bulls. The Bulls. Curveball. <laughs> Um, but yes, no, the cop scene where uh, uh, Tom Cruise is like, here's your test. Let's see how good you are. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're, if you're any you're good, you'll be able to. talk yourself out right. of the ticket, yeah. And he's like, here's the threat. I'll fucking shoot these guys. You got limited trunk room. <laughs> you got limited trunk room is, is, is a great way to put right. it. So there are two ways out of this. Either you're talking them out. Or everyone is dead, including probably. You got two more bodies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, they get off just by a lucky break, which mm-hmm. I love because then when uh, Fox does have to go into the club, you're like, you're he, like can't he can't pull uh-huh, this off. Uh-huh, right. He's already that. failed hard. Yeah. Um, he d- he tries to use the nice guy argument where he's like, come on. <laughs> well, so his argument with the cops, he's like a deer and you're like a deer. That's an L.A. Move? deer. And he's like, yeah, they're around here. <laughs> I really I was like, I don't know much about L.A. But he said like Mulholland, like it's up yeah. in the mountains, like they have mountain lions there. And then, yeah. His windshield is so fucked. Yeah, the cops should be like, excuse me, I don't care if there's been a shooting yeah. at like 8th and La Brea. Yeah. We're staying here. There's a body you in this You can't drive trunk. around. I, not having seen this since it came out, went, what do they do about the windshield to get? Like, I was like, do they get a new car? Because surely no. this movie can't have a broken windshield the entire time. And it does. Mm-hmm. I mean, I drive around in New York City. Like, you know, you see cars where you're like, how is that thing on right yes. now? You know, like, I mean, so people just drive around in these things. Yeah. You know. Uh, but there's the cop thing. And then uh, the supervisor calls up yes. uh, Louis De Palma and uh, complains about the fact that he heard there was an accident because the cops called it in when right before they were thrown away to uh, uh, investigate. I, it must have been one of Cruz's homicides, right? Yeah. And... Um, uh, Tom Cruise gets like such fucking joy yes. in <laughs> annihilating this guy. Yeah. In just dragging this guy to pieces. Right. And Fox's hands are literally tied. He can't like pull the phone away from him. He has to say whatever he wants to say. Right. But it's also this weird aspect of Cruise where it's like he knows the law that well. Right. You know, there are all these subjects that he clearly just like. Well, also, he's so confident that he can just argue anything, right. and you're just gonna. Go and that's for another it. Tom Cruise thing. Like Very even yeah. when he's playing this scary guy, he's yeah. like, "Yeah, okay, I'll right." It's it. like, what yeah. if an assassin got in your cab, and he was a psychopath, and he had to kill all these people, but he was also a super charming movie. He star. had the charisma right. of Tom Cruise, right. right? But also, he might kill you. Yeah, <laughs> but but it would be very charming very that he lightly. killed you. Right? Very yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You, you like as you died, you'd be like, that guy was charming. Like right. that would be your last word. All right. The boss thing makes me wonder about like the the big thing that I don't think is a critique, but I wanted to like bring up in the context mm-hmm. of all this. Cause Here you watch go. as the movie goes on, you watch Max kind of slowly turn into Vincent and like imitate yeah. him and like step up into it. And it feels like there is a level of saying that that's him stepping into like masculinity, like what it is saying about Vincent as a man and then Max as a man. And sure. how he's kind of like he can get up and he can save the woman and he can have the shootout. Mm-hmm. And I think it's not uncritical. Like, it's critical of Vincent, obviously. Like, this guy's yes. a Terminator. He's scary. The but movie I, is right. It's not positive on him. And, and I don't morally. love uh, man-up movies in general. Yeah. I, know. I, know I know what you're saying. I feel I like it saying. falls into a little bit of the man-up thing, especially when Jada Pinkett <sighs> comes in at the end. I would and s- I think especially because it ends so abruptly after that point. But yeah. my, my argument against that is the ending, which is not like Jamie Foxx confidently stalking away, but him and Jada, like, hugging each other, looking so frightened. Like yeah. sort of stumbling through the streets and then man's like, that's it. I would agree. That's the yeah. one counter is like the, that the was terrible. Michael Mann thing is the triumph at the end of a movie uh, is going to break that person for the rest of their life. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like almost every Michael Mann movie ends with having watched so many of them. They in definitely are going to go on a date now. <laughs> right. 
they're, I don't think their date would be very good. It would be right. like, anyway, so what do you do? Do you remember the <laughs> assassin? Yeah. <laughs> he was in the building. Right. <laughs> he cut the power. But almost every Michael Mann movie ends on a note of just like, and what are they going to do the next morning? Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> You know, like, how do they wake up and feel about themselves, even if they, quote unquote, won? Um, so, but the, the mom. Yes. Oh, yeah. Vincent responds to hearing about his mom. Right. The Henley scene we've already sort of talked about. We talked about so that scene. fucking good. And I love the distinction in his question isn't, where did he study? Right. It's where did he learn to play music? Right. So Henley's so confident that Juilliard's the answer. But a guy like this is Vincent's so particular like, about the he distinction. Learned. He yeah. learned from Charlie Parker. Right. You know, but like, you know that he's going to have the wrong answer no matter what. Oh, of course. Oh, sure. Right, because he's testing this guy's perception of the world. It's not about his knowledge of facts. He's got to shoot him. It's about how he perceives yeah. things. Although when uh, Henley's like, I'm, you know, I walk out of this club, I'm going to be so gone, you'll think I was dead. You're like, that's right. He's going to. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. What did man say about jazz? Oh, he fucking talks about jazz for like forty I minutes. Figured. He's like, <laughs> figured. he's There's like, just something about. He's basically the jazz he's like Vincent was a countercultural uh, kid. Is man's take on the character? Okay, whose dad was strict and authoritarian. Right. But his dad, having grown up in the era, was probably into jazz. It was probably like mm-hmm. the, one of their one intersections. Mm-hmm. Sure. Like man talks about that for a while. He talks about all kinds of shit. He talks about how like Damon Wayans. <laughs> jazz. Huh? You know, like this is in gangland territory. This is actually a border between this gang and that gang. Like he's oh he's he's a dork. Yeah. You know, for that shit. But right. I could just tell man loves jazz. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, I love that scene. I love that scene. Irma P. Hall, come on, the mom. The oh, yeah. mom. Right. This is Tom Cruise's like best acting. Right. This is the second call from the dispatcher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh Fox goes to his mom every single night. And Vincent's like, You gotta do that. Routine. Mm-hmm. What are you talking right. about? Like Fox is like the second you came into my car with a loaded gun, <laughs> my routine was disrupted. And Cruz is like, no, the routine is more important now. He's like, what are you talking about? We Look can't throw fine. them off. But also, yeah. he says that thing like she she carried her in her room for nine months. Yeah, right. like, looks at him like a maniac. Get her flowers. Yeah. 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 Right. And uh, Max brings the flowers. She's like, why'd you get me flowers? She's being a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he's like, Vincent you know got the flowers and she compliments the flowers and you see Tom Cruise just get so excited yeah you see Vincent like sort of stiffen up and like pay attention he's not paying attention at all he's kind of like whatever like let's get this over well with. And he said his mother died before he can remember her that's what he said he grew up in a single parent household with a father who uh, he did not get along with right. who was abusive yeah. yeah so you imagine this guy was like spent his childhood fantasizing about what it would be like to have a mom mm-hmm. it, it's it's I, I love it. it's a little as Katie might point out uh, retrograde. <laughs> sort that of he's like, like a mama's boy, and therefore yeah, has to. Yeah, he's a mama's boy, so he's sort of like a little like henpecked in that sort of yeah. weird way. And Vincent's like, you know, didn't have a mother, <laughs> that's why he lacks a soul. But I also, I mean, as a mother, <laughs> yes, that's right. I mean, you are Obviously. imbuing your child with, with souls, soul. yeah. Correct. Otherwise, right. they'll turn out. You're like raising numbers. a couple maxes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, paramount. In a world of Vincent. <laughs> Um, um, no, the other thing I was going to say, though, is that uh, I think uh, Cruz's big thing isn't man up. It's like, stop lying to yourself. Like, Cruz is fascinated by these, like, these lies that people yes, tell themselves. Right, right. Yeah. This, like, neat categorization, easy answers. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's like Don't he's the only one mother. who sees the world clearly. Yeah. And so the thing he doesn't respect is that he's lying to his mother and that he's lying to himself. But, like, what Max sort of correctly responds with is, like, 
you don't have to deal with my mother. I have yeah. like a complex human relationship with her. Yeah. And Vincent's like, mm, I don't understand what you're talking about. But Cruz's you know whole I mean? thing is he's impressed with Max the second he realizes that Max is that good at being a cab driver. Mm-hmm. The moment he loses respect is when he's like, I'm not really a cab driver. This is just to fill in the gaps. Right. So yeah. he's like, be a pro with the thing that you were doing. There's nothing wrong with your job. Yeah. There's something wrong with the fact that you're telling yourself that this is a part-time, temporary, short-term thing. But as Irma Hall is distracting Vincent. Max grabs the briefcase, runs away. Now, what is his plan here? I have no idea. Yeah. He's just being a maniac. Yes. Mm-hmm. You want to play it? This is my favorite music cue. I was just getting to it. It is up. so upsetting because when he starts running, I'm just like, this doesn't Th- help where you. Where will this go? Right. right. And when he throws it over the overpass and you see all the shit fly out, I'm like, fuck. We- yeah. James Newton Howard's score. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Ben's just playing it up. Should it just play phone? through the rest of the podcast and yeah. make it feel more intense? Yeah, yeah, that's definitely not a copyright issue. <laughs> you can play 30 <laughs> seconds of anything. If we talk over it, which is what they say in hand, yeah. Hollywood Handbook, the bots won't pick it up. Oh, okay. yeah. Okay. So we're totally fine. So then this right, is. Right. I just have to, we just have to talk the whole time. This is the right, sadistic right. prankster element of Cruz, is he doesn't, like, he responds with, like, bewilderment that Fox would do that. Which, which is fair. But then you right after that. You are screwing up my work. Right. <laughs> but then right after that, he's like, okay, cool. So this is an opportunity for me to test you again. Right, 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 right. And what did you think he would have a backup plan? Like, when, when all that stuff came out of the briefcase, I was, like, kind of surprised. Like, I, I figured it would, he would have, like, stashed it away and thought ahead of it. Do you it's think this true. movie is what made people go, like, wait, what if there was a digital cloud. <laughs> yeah, Steve Jobs saw this movie and he's yeah. like, this is no good. That was his takeaway. Um, no, I think that if Vincent needed to, he could go see Javier Bardem or whatever. Or yeah. he could, you know, he could probably, but yes, I think you're right. He's like, now I have one on you. But I Rather think, than just execute you, which I could totally do. Yeah. I think this is another reason that he's a crazy taxi boy is yeah. if things go, go wrong. Pick a car driver. Right. If things go wrong, I have another person I can throw <laughs> to the slaughter. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I don't want if everything goes wrong that I have to walk in and face Javier Bardem. Of course. Because Javier Bardem's scary. He's scary. Man. And uncredited. Can we talk about how beautiful he is in this movie? Cool. Like he's a handsome man still, but I think of his face as like Mount Rushmore, yeah. like he's all these looking. angles. And in yeah. this, he's like his face is so soft. And he's he's rounded, yeah. I think, because of the haircut. Yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah, the yeah. beard looks really good. The on fact him. that this is like three years before No Country for Old Men just feels yes. insane. It was, and I remember when watching the movie, I didn't know that he was in it. And I, I was like, this is gonna be someone. Right, mm-hmm. like this will be some star. He was yeah. not in the marketing. He was no. not on the poster. I'm I was surprised was it was yeah. him. Yeah, not that he was a nobody at that point. He was an Oscar nominee, yeah. but he was, you know, he wasn't doing many American films. Though. No, uh, he spent six weeks learning how to speak with a Mexican accent because he's Spanish. Yeah, uh, for two days of filming. Wow, yeah. wow, that's another Michael Mann. Does Michael Mann inspire this insanity in people? Yep. Like, is he, does he do really the work, work to the point him. that they're just like? Oh, yeah. Well, if you did the research, I'm going to embed with an undercover cop for six weeks. Yeah, that's probably part of it. Right. This is why David Ayer keeps getting big people to do his movies. Because David Ayer is still a guy who does this. Right. Even when the movies are shitty. He's like, we're going to go live in the mountains. Or, yeah, we're going to go live in a tank and cut out our own teeth. We're actually going to commit suicide as a squad. (laughs) Right. Together. Right. But that's why he had this run of, like, Schwarzenegger, Pitt, Will Smith, twice. That these guys like, like... These these big movie stars who never hear no, mm-hmm. and I think have a complex, right. erroneously, that they feel weird about the fact that they do a job that can seem kind of fanciful, mm-hmm. and that they're pampered, and that they put makeup on. To, like, play people who are, like, tough guys with guns. Right. So their, their sort of insecurity 
about their own perceived lack of genuine machismo mm-hmm. then has to be like supplanted by like a tough guy asshole dad yeah. like basketball coach director who's yeah. like fuck you I'm gonna meet you eat dirt for two weeks <laughs> and then they're like he's a real artist through fury they actually all got furious they got furious so furious yeah Shia LaBeouf did pull out his own tooth on that, right? He did, Shia. and he carved his face like that. Was like I mean, the, Shia doesn't need that. Like he does not. He needs a nurturer. Easy, right? You hear all the stories about that cast on that movie and their weird game of one-upsmanship for right. like who can go longer without showering? Mm-hmm. Because like Ayer did that whole like I want you guys to be fucking dirty. Yeah. You're gonna live in this tank. You're gonna know how to repair it. Yeah. And so like Shia did like he pulled out his tooth and cut his own face in the makeup trailer because he was like I'm the most intense. And they're like you're playing like a nice Christian boy. You're the chill one in this group. That movie sucks. Yeah, all right. for a movie that kind of sucks. The first half is pretty good. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Um, do we? So we like the Javier Bardem scene. Do we yeah. like the? Uh, well, it's all about Black Fox. Peter. Fox is so. The good. arc of this scene alone is incredible. Tell your guy to take his hand off his gun before I like beat his bitch ass to death with that it or something like that. Where you think Great. he's about to blow it, and then yeah. he sells it hard for the first time. Right. Yeah, and he just becomes so incredibly still. Yeah. And confident, but even from the walk up with the bouncers, I'm Vincent, right? And he can he can't say Vincent without stammering. Yeah, he can't even sell it in that moment. Yeah, but by yeah. the time he gets to the back room, he vaguely can pull it off. And by the end of it, he's fully believable. And this all means that at the point we get to the nightclub mm-hmm. uh, in Koreatown, we've got Jamie Fox and Vincent. We got yeah. Max and Vincent. Yeah, we have the guys he's trying to kill. We've got the Latin mob, the Mexican mob. Ruffalo, who have McGill, been sent to watch it. You've got Ruffalo, who's hooked up with the FBI. Right. Uh, Bruce McGill, as you right. like, so who are trying to figure out what's going on. So, like, everyone converges on the club. Yeah. It's great. That's all. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. Like, and it's like a beautifully executed action sequence. Yeah. And the moments when Vincent, it, like, even before he starts shooting and he's just breaking people's necks, oh, he yeah. gets like so stomping. intense. And he's like, yeah. yeah it's he does so that move where scary. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and then, they hold it kind of for a while, too. Yeah. And then just that moment. Oh, but but also, and I believe this is its letterboxed uh, um, banner, but like when he shoots the guy who's about to kill Max, mm-hmm. so it sort of saves him, and then like shoots him that look, this look. <laughs> so good yeah you this know was, just for a second this is the first movie to own tom cruise's no i'd say magnolia also does this owning tom cruise's scariness yeah right the scene where he shuts right, down yeah. in the interview in magnolia is the first time where it was like oh someone was it would be intense push tom cruise to yeah that point katie do you like the action sequence yeah, oh, in yeah. The club, in Fever, Honestly, so with the oak and fold What music. I kept thinking of in the club scene, which is dumb because it came after, but like the you know, Killing Eve had the big uh, club scene in the first season where you've got like her mentors yep. like getting killed and like the, like the bodies are too close to it. And it's not really shot in the same way, but sure. the idea of being in a room full of people like that and A, like having it's an- It's very act- frightening to think about how many people It's very there. scary. And then having a clear action sequence in all of oh, that right. is- Madness. Hey, uh, let me give you a little advice, <laughs> a little trip advisor here. Uh, if you're afraid of being in that kind of room, uh, don't check in for a stay at the Continental Hotel. I hear John Wick is a frequent guest. <laughs> uh, proprietor, <laughs> not that docile either. <laughs> Rogues and killers. Oh it's crazy that we have to delete it's the episode to, and start to, over. Yeah, it's hard to describe Griffith's face right now. It is hard to he's very proud of himself. Go to the bar on wine, you might end up more wound up. Yeah, he's like an Ruby animal Rose. that's proud of himself. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a good action uh, scene. 
Also, they don't accept credit cards, only uh, gold coins. (laughs) That is true. That is true. They only accept gold coins. (laughs) The old continental hotel. Oh, boy. Yeah, what do you do when you want a tip in John Wick? You're like, another coin. Yeah. Do you have change for a gold coin? (laughs) Like, no. I love that the gold coin is a universal currency. Everything costs one gold coin in the John Wick universe. It's like, it's a favor. It's It's I owe you a favor. You know, it's it's like that as currency. It's Basically. an artisanal IOU. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, you know what we didn't talk about before with the briefcase? Tom Cruise running. Just a little bit. Uh, you got to see him run. Love seeing that it's boy It's the greatest special effect in Hollywood. It is. Uh, I love it. There is one clear, if you ask me, heir apparent to the Tom Cruise running on screen. Cynthia well, Riva. Yep. Definitely. Just incredible. I feel like we maybe had a Twitter interaction about <laughs> I, this. I mean, incredible. I've been thinking about it since I mean, Widows. that scene in Widows is breathtaking. It's we saw Widows together, oh, Katie, at God. the Roy Thompson Hall. Oh, my God. I mean, and I just remember us walking out of there and just being like, so good <laughs> but don't you feel like Christopher McQuarrie has to be writing a part for her sure do it right? I'll I mean, put her in a Mission Impossible easy that's great. Right. holy right. cow that's great have her sing too but okay. you go like yeah. they're both like similarly tiny compact mm-hmm. obsessive focused freak yeah. of nature people who can run like a car yeah yeah. You can run like a car could you imagine a fucking foot chase uh-huh. I'm all for it I'm all for then it. Why are you stopping this from <laughs> happening? I'm sorry that Get I keep texting Christopher, Christopher saying, way. I hear Cynthia's bad news. Don't work with her. <laughs> yeah. Runs too fast. She's busy. <laughs> yeah, she right. would probably outrun Tom and that, would, that wouldn't work. She'd have uh, to slow down. But she's I younger. Feel like this is his thing though. He's finally making these movies where he allows the women to be more powerful than him. That's true. Yes. He casts really good female Becca leads Ferd. now. But he has to break his foot in order to look yes. less powerful than, powerful than that. I would love for her Poor to Tommy. be the villain of the next Mission Impossible and beat him on a foot chase. That yeah. he gets the lead and she catches up to him as opposed to the usual. In the film Collateral. <laughs> okay. Did you see it in theaters? I forget. I did. I saw it in theaters. Summer of 04. I remember it's a loud movie. This movie, the gunshot, I mean this scene, the, the nightclub scene, the yeah. gunshots are so freaking loud. They're upsetting. Yeah. yeah. He wants you to, right, yeah, flinch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he does kill the guy, Lim. Who directed this movie? Michael Mann or David Flincher? Oh, boy. David Flincher. Ben's thinking it over. David Flincher. So after that, uh, Vincent shoots uh, Ruffalo. Mm-hmm. Brutally. Yeah. Uh, brutal. The signature. Oh, you flinch oh, again. Can we backtrack really quick. I just want to shout out, I love when highway overpasses are in movies. This is a great LA movie. Yeah. More highway overpasses, please. Okay, sure. Yeah. I agree with you. It's cars on cars on cars. cars yeah. on so cars. many layers of cars. This crazy spaghetti soup. Of you know, when city. I painted graffiti, I used to climb across that, like hanging over the highway, and then bomb or paint. <laughs> or paint, <laughs> I, as the layman would say. I just say. learned something. I didn't know that bomb was a graffiti slang. Yeah, it is. Yeah. What was your tag, Ben? I you can't say. I can't say. Oh, we tried right. to get it out of him. Should that be like a 10,000 gold? Some of it's still up. <laughs> yes. And then you have to pay his bail when he gets arrested for it? No, I already paid a lot of money oh, okay. for <laughs> being arrested so, for that. So, so the Patreon money is going to go pay you back for all the bail that you put up. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. yeah. What if we find out that like Ben was caught and for the last 10 years has been like working undercover as an informant? <laughs> Like Catch Me If You Can style, yeah. where he's like, I know this tag. I'm part of the Buff Squad. He's gotten us on. Which is a division right. of the Port Authority yeah. that has detectives and has a whole like like set crew of people that are a plague on this. Uh, are are like thing. invested in finding graffiti artists. 
and they call him the Buff. What if it turns out that like seven years ago Ben that, made a deal? I can't believe that's not a TNT show. The Buff. Oh the buff. yeah, the Buff. Um, what if it turns out that yes, seven years ago deal. Ben made a deal with the police, and this entire podcast has been him trying to trap us into admitting to our crimes on mic? That's right. <laughs> I totally used to shoplift uh, Smarties from Waitrose. I don't know. Okay, shut it down. We got him. We got him. All right. (laughs) They've been on the trail. (laughs) The the shutters come down. We never found out who stole that one bag of Smarties. Who's a tube? Um, okay, Brandon. Right. <laughs> we got him. After he kills Ruffalo, is the is the the emotional conversation ending in a crowd? Like, is that right. is that whole oh, is the yeah. sort of pivotal scene? Yeah, yes. Where uh, where it kind of right where Max makes his move, his right. second move. Right. What he, what if he's I? He's got nothing to lose. Yeah. He speeds up. He knows it's over. Right. Vincent gets out fast. Oh, I should. We gotta <laughs> say before the LA club mm-hmm. before the club scene is the Coyote scene. Oh, yeah. Right. Where Vincent sees himself in a mirror. He cites that as his big, like, this is why I wanted to shoot on digital. Yeah. is because, like, uh, we didn't have to hire a coyote and plan it. We just filmed every night, and I knew eventually we'd find a coyote. <laughs> Michael Mann says that happens to him all the time. Right. The he's like, well, get they, they just follow him. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, he's, they, he's their spirit guide. <laughs> this was the same summer where there's the weird, like, Jake Gyllenhaal, like, has a moment with a wolf in Day After Tomorrow. And my friend and I joked, we were like, is this just the summer where mm-hmm. everyone needs to have a moment where they see themselves? Yeah. In oh, God. some sort Grizzly of Grizzly Man was the next summer, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Close. What would be your animals, guys? That would be my animal? Yeah. Like a cappuccino monkey? <laughs> What's that? Like a cappuccino monkey? <laughs> a little cappuccino monkey? <laughs> yeah, like a cappuccino. <laughs> is that like a- I know what you're talking about. Like Marcel on Friends? Yeah, yeah, yeah. His cappuccino. Hang, hang out with yeah. Russ Geller. Yeah, the uh, the the uh, that uh, monkey on uh, Animal uh, Practice, NBC. Oh yeah, probably say monkey. I look up that monkey a lot because I will never make the amount of money that that monkey made per episode. <laughs> Mine would be like a big rat or like a like a like a badger. Mm. Mm. Katie, I was thinking about like like. David is frustrated. No with fucking this. idea what animal I am. I need like the animals that like build like underground dens and like don't go out much. Like okay. the, I mean, okay. like, like badger is one of those. Yeah, I was thinking about badgers. Like you think Hufflepuff animals a badger? badger. Like a badger. yeah, yeah. It's, it's a strong Hufflepuff, but like not the kind of badger that like fucks around and uh, attacks people. That's Ben. What am I? Uh, are you looking up? What Griffin? What am I looking at? Yeah. I'm looking up at what Crystal the monkey's quote was on Animal Practice. <laughs> Because she had a big run. She was also, I think, oh, the monkey. Right. No, no, wait a second. I just realized what you're doing. No, no, shut it down. Okay, okay. The coyote scene rules. Look, then what happens? Crashes the car. They crash the car. Jamie Foxx is great. What do we think of this scene? He doesn't What talk- else you got from the monkey? I can tell you want to tell me. It's the monkey in the Night Museum franchise in right. Hangover Part 2. Right, right. It's that uh, monkey. 24 years old. is the highest paid monkey in Hollywood. 24 years old. So it's still alive? Yeah. Still alive. How long does a monkey uh, live? Played Annie's boobs in Community. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Uh, I don't know how long a monkey lives for. Mm-hmm. Wow, Probably a while. They're very, it. you know, they're like us. They're humans, you know. Probably live for decades. I don't know. Oh, okay. The number was not as high as I remembered it being, but it's still very high. <sighs> how do you feel about giraffe? $12,000 per episode. Because they eat plants, they're chill, but for they're monkey? big. That's what I was thinking for you. Oh, for me? Yeah. Yeah, okay. That's cool because I'm tall and gangly. I am giraffe-like. Yeah, Yay. friendly. Yeah. Uh, and, and you do have a black tongue. <laughs> I'm so glad we both went there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's crazy to see me have sex. It seems insane. 
<laughs> with the Hulk specifically. Yeah, with the Hulk especially. <laughs> Weirdly, they just like air it like a nature documentary, yeah. though. You'd think it He's was doing too- it again. <laughs> um, the cra- I don't know. Because the crash is when is when right. he uh, realizes that Jade is the next target, but he only realizes that after the crash. Well, because yeah. Fox is going to let himself be taken in because he's like, thank God I've been looking for a cop all night. Right. Yeah. But then he sees Jada. Yep. He sees Jada and the cop sees the dead body in the trunk. So right. he's like, you're under arrest. Yeah. And he doesn't but try to Jamie's talk his way out of the arrest. Right. He he's uses fine. brute force. But then which he is... sees Jada and he's like, apologizes to the cop. Right. Oh, that's funny. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, and then a classic uh, movie problem, uh, low cell phone battery. Mm-hmm. He's trying to warn Jade And no time. signal until he gets up to the top of that parking mm-hmm. garage. But it's so cool. And this is the other, yeah, the digital photography thing where it's like you can see her in the building. Yes. You can see the lights lit in the building. Yeah. And he's like one like overpass away or whatever. The fact that he's managed to get all the way back down to the building that she is in. Hell like, yeah. It's all right. That's fine. I need an LA expert to tell me if the geography in this movie makes any sense at all. I, have, I don't know. I know Koreatown is not far from downtown. Koreatown is near downtown. That's I know that I too. Yeah. Griffin, you know, don't you? You love all of I, uh, I know the layout of Disneyland another- pretty well. <laughs> Where's Seb's in relation to all these places? Yeah, Seb's is there. In the heart of Hollywood. <laughs> it's another day of sun, you know? Uh, <laughs> City of Stars. Um, do you know about that? that we could start a fire. Do, do, do. <laughs> do you know that Lionsgate is starting an indoor theme park in Times Square that they say is going to have a um, a John Wick bullet ride, amongst other things? But uh, there's going to be like a Mad Men themed bar. They should make Sebs. Mm-hmm. They should make Sebs. Yeah. They should. Then that's Lionsgate. Yeah, you're right. They yeah. should do it. Um, they should do a John Wick one. It's They're making a bullet ride. What else? What else is Lionsgate? Expendables. Uh, Twilight. P- no, stay away from that one. Pita Malark's Twilight. Bakery from Hunger Games. Uh-huh. These are real things I'm fucking telling you. There's one other franchise. <laughs> That's what they thought the people wanted from the Hunger Games? Pita's was bakery. bakery? I swear to God, this is real. It's called Lionsgate You can turn World. down a bakery? Yeah. I mean, it would be cool to see Josh uh, Hutcherson, that's his name, right, mm-hmm. in real life. I've never seen a one-foot-tall man before. <laughs> well, he needs a job, right. so put him in that bakery. He's dropped off his resume. I don't think they've made any final decisions about hiring yet. I was going to ring the joke bell for you. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> um, the end of this movie is very frightening. It is uh, very yeah. frightening Max and very good. is very scary when he's not talking to anyone. Yeah. The thing about Max that's different in this part is he's no longer he's no longer bouncing around with another guy, right? He's just in full I will destroy mode. Oh, you mean Vincent. Vincent, sorry. I always think that Tom Cruise is called Max. Eh. Uh yeah, no, Vincent. That's what I mean. Yes. yes. No, he is uh scary and knows everything. And right. uh what a cool looking law library. Yeah, good set. Yeah. Good oh, set. Man. I like the Chinese containers in the one room and mm-hmm. she's gone to the other office, you know, all that. So he knows she's close because the Chinese food's fresh, but also he sees the light blinking on yeah. the conference phone so right. he's able to discern which room she's in. Which is cool. I like uh, when people solve things. Yes. Um, that is all true. Um, and he smashes the power with the fire axe that's scary mm-hmm. uh and then max gets him with the gun but vincent doesn't even think he's gonna shoot nope mm-hmm. and then he shoots him and blood goes everywhere from his face that's that's how fox is able to stop him is that vincent has so little belief yeah and max's ability no. to murder a man sure 100%. Yeah. do la offices have subway access in the basements of them. I guess it must exist for them there to must put it in be this. some of that because like there's no street access I mean, there is. I know, but oh, like, no one walks on the oh. freaking streets in L.A., right? Yeah, like, yeah. how do you get into this? 
It's cool. I love the subway in this movie. Oh, and yeah. anything. I, I New York say. has that with like off like where it's yeah, office yeah, is so it's weird. Weird. It totally exists yeah. in New York. Yeah. I you know, I thought it all they all just led to parking garages. Sure. I, I oh, almost right. every time I go to LA I find it very difficult to figure out where to enter the building. Because oh, the, yeah. they'll send detailed instructions for like any like appointment I have. Mm-hmm. But the instructions are just where to park and how to get from the parking lot yeah. into the office that you need to get to. Yeah. Um, I, I tried to walk to the Soho house in West Hollywood with Richard Lawson one time before and because uh, we were at an Airbnb very nearby and we walk and we go to the front door and it, it's an office building and they yeah. said, oh, you have to go into the parking garage right. and get to the elevator. We were like, what? Like yeah. they did not know what to do with us. Yeah. Well, you know, my classic joke, uh, Los Angeles is like the uh, Disney uh, Pixar Cars franchise, except with less human beings. Oh, I'm not going to ring the bell. That's what Collateral's about. <laughs> so, David Flincher, <laughs> this now. Griffin is sinking into his chair and <laughs> sort of stretching his Drowning? arms in either direction. <laughs> and patting the table. Very strange. Um, yeah, I I I love that the, the end of Max, he's, I mean, Vincent, he's fully robotic at that point. Yeah. You know, when they're shooting each other in the um, train car. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, is that he goes to get the cartridge and he can't even hold on to it anymore and right. it's out of his hand. He doesn't realize. And then, then that's yeah. when he realizes. And he's like a robot shutting down. Mm-hmm. He just he sort of sits like, down. Yeah. Sits. Yeah. It's the first time Tom Cruise ever died on screen. Uh, and in like New York, it makes sense that this movie would end in a subway car shootout, but you would never believe that it would go unnoticed. In LA, it makes perfect sense that no one's on the subway right. and that he probably won't be discovered for a week. <laughs> right. As as he says in the, the foreshadows joke. in the beginning. Yeah. I guess Tom Cruise dies like a zillion times in Edge of Tomorrow. I guess that's yeah. the well, movie this, where this he happens. dies. But a that's lot. the second time. I know, I know. Yeah. I know. I'm just wondering about other movies where he dies. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, he died off screen uh before uh interview with a vampire. Mm-hmm. Kind of. Yeah. Undead. Well said. Thank you. Good point. Yeah. yeah not a joke. Don't ring the bell, Ben. That was a very serious point. <laughs> ben was down. diving for the bell. <laughs> we had to pull him off of it. He's got a rug burn. He slid all the way to get the bell. So Collateral, that's the movie. It's great. And it's a masterpiece and I love it. And it's one of my top movies of that year. And I love it. Katie, did you like the movie Collateral? I do like the movie Collateral. I don't know. Like, I feel like there's a, like, I've seen many other Michael Mann movies and all of them I've seen and said, mm-hmm, yes, I appreciate that I this is a this movie. I think this is why we needed, you know. You needed a not a dude. I mean, it's a boy movie. Like, yeah. Michael Mann makes boy They're movies. Boy he movies. makes movies about, and it's not about masculinity in the way that, like, I famously really like Foxcatcher because it's a movie that's very explicitly about like you a do man famously to, like Foxcatcher. Notoriously, mostly. Yeah, uh, yeah. No one else ever thinks about Foxcatcher, and this is about masculinity, but kind of in a lighter way, which in some ways I like. But it's also like some unexamined stuff I think about, like if you want to step up and become who you really want to be, you got to pick up a gun and shoot somebody, which I'm not opposed to, but right. I think it it's in there in the text and the movies about other things, but it it makes me not have the emotional grab with it that I think because I love that that story and for a movie up until the point where you pick up a gun yeah I love a movie about like how do you become the person you actually yeah, want to be and it's not like, yeah. like Jamie Foxx's real problems are not solved by this and right. it's not a movie about them solving each other's problems but like I'm no more confident that he's going to open his limo company no right they're ruined yes <laughs> and David loves it <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this movie made one hundred and one million dollars at the yeah. domestic. This is one crazy. He, he could not make less than a hundred. Yeah, yeah. Two seventeen worldwide. I would do anything for a movie like this to make one hundred one million dollars now. Like, I know. I it's, know. It's, as much as I like, cannot fall for it the way that David does. Like yeah. this level of like incre- incredibly well made thriller. Yes. 
that doesn't feel long. It feels straightforward and contained. Like it's and with nice. stars. That's your thing. It's nice to see like a summer action movie that like makes someone a star and also like fully warrants an Oscar nomination yeah. for acting. And like you just know? lets two people talk to each other in a car for a long time. So which of the 2004 Fox Oscar nominated performances do you think is better? Because I this. right a hundred percent. I mean, right? the Ray performance is pretty great, Incredibly and impressive. the singing right. is good, and it's right. It's one of those. But he great... doesn't do that much of the singing. He does some, doesn't he? He does very little. Wow. Oh, he like filled in some of the stuff. Situation. Right. Oh, is he it can that bad? do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he the did thing. it on uh, Gold Digger. Yeah. Right, but that was like, he said to Kanye, he was like, you know, I didn't do the singing in the movie. <laughs> there are a couple of things where they didn't have the audio tracks and he did it. I'd say that movie's 95%. Interesting. I didn't, I didn't realize yeah. that. Now let's play the box office game, please. Okay. Collateral opened to $24 million on August 6, 2004. Real crowd pleaser. Number two. Mm. was a film we've covered on this podcast. On this podcast? On this podcast. Mm. A film I like, but audiences were not so fond of. Ooh, in 2004. A famously large drop. Famously large drop. Mm. So it came out in, this is its second weekend? Correct. It came out. What weekend ago? Late July. Late July came out. Dropped 68% in its second weekend. <sighs> But it still managed to crawl its way to $114 million. Let's crawl a clue? No. Big drop. How much was the first weekend? 50. 50. And the second is 16. Oh, big drop. That is rough. It is rough. Okay, because Hulk is the star It's almost like this film had bad drop. word of mouth. Bad word Maybe of because mouth. of its ending. Oh, they were just a dramatic head twist. <laughs> what is it, Katie? Is it the village? That's right. Oh. A great movie. That was a huge drop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, number three is another adult. Another one of those adult thrillers that you were talking about. It is the uh, second in a series that is now five films deep, including a spinoff. At this point, we're five. Yeah, at this point, no. N- n- now, today, we to are. present day. But this yeah. is the second movie. Right. This is the second one. There are five, including a spinoff. It's an adult thriller. It's 2004. It seems there will likely be no more, maybe. Mm, probably. You think it's kind of done? Yeah. You never know. 2004. Give me the numbers. Uh, it's made 124 in three weeks. It's going to make 176. Oh, it's born. Which so one? it's a uh, 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 born supremacy. No, Katie. Oh, it's that one. Oh, so it's identity supremacy ultimatum legacy. Okay, and Jason and then Bourne. Jason Bourne. Do you right. know a fun fact about Griffin? That nerd. True. <laughs> <laughs> I have only seen one Jason Bourne movie. Guess which one it is? Uh, the Jeremy Renner one. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> you thought it would be a clean entry point. Guess what? It New guy. Wasn't. New guy. This is well, a clean entry. You're like point. Oscar Isaac. We like him. He's in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. I hope he sticks around. Yeah. Uh, number four mm. is a movie we're going to cover on the podcast. Coming up. Manchurian Candidate. That's right. Oh, dang. Starring Denzel Washington and Hillary Clinton. Oh, wait. It's Meryl Streep. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Another movie that would never be released in the summer. Oh, my God. Today by a major studio. Probably wouldn't be made. No. No. Good movie. Oh, hmm. Never seen it. Have you I'd seen look, it? No. I look forward to hearing you guys Love talk about movie. it. Uh, you got the sweatshirt from it. I did. Adam Drozen, I hope I'm not mispronouncing that, who's a blankie, came uh, to a, a tick thing in L.A., 
and uh, gave uh, me a, in a, a David-sized promotional <laughs> entering right. candidate sweatshirt. That but David you've always now, wanted. Now, uh, on the last episode we recorded, which I can't, don't think was last week's episode, we talked about a movie that didn't exist. Number five of the box office is another one. Another masterpiece of not existing. <laughs> another masterpiece of not existing. Another existed. film. Ugh. Give me the numbers. Uh, 20 is the domestic total gross. It's opening to seven this week. It's a wow. rom-com. So it's not a good opening. No. Can I take a guess? Yeah. I want to guess this with no further hints. Little Black Book? Correct. I knew that because I was reading the collateral box office reports before I came in Have here. you Otherwise... ever been tempted to look inside his Little Black Book? Brittany Murphy, Holly Hunter, Ron Livingston, Holly third build. Uh, and Kathy Bates, and right? Kathy Bates. Uh, uh, Derek Simon, uh, one of my oldest best friends, uh, referenced on the show a lot. Uh, when he was uh, in uh, film school at NYU, uh, his uh, roommate, VJ, had the Little Black Book poster on his wall. Why? It looked like uh, a Brittany Murphy thing. He was, anytime anyone came over, and they were the guys who always had like tequila, so people would be coming mm-hmm. over for like the pregame before the whatever. Uh, he would always be like, you really should see this thing. It's got a crazy <laughs> what? twist. What's the twist? He yeah. told me the twist once. Can I tell you? Yeah. Wait, now I'm it's to referring to his Blackberry, book. right? Like, it's that specific a time. Oh, I assumed it was like an actual book. No, I think it's the joke is like, you know, our little black books are now Blackberries. Like The superstructure of the movie is I think the story is told. <laughs> thank, thank you for saying that. Yeah. I think the story is told largely through flashback with the superstructure being that Kathy Bates is hosting a Sally Jesse Raphael type show. I take it back. It's the Palm Tungsten Sea. Wow. <laughs> Woo! Look at this thing. Oh my God. There's a picture of it in the Wikipedia entry? That's correct. Does it wow. still have a stylus at that point? Um, I don't know. It had 64 megabytes of memory, though. Hello. Whoa. And a uh, uh, ooh, vibrating alarms and an indicator light. I don't remember the specifics of the twist, but the movie is told, I think, through flashbacks of this show where they're airing out their grievances as a couple. And in some way, at the end of the movie, you find out that the show was staged, I think, as an excuse for him to propose to her. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you're like watching uh... what you think is a dissection of the relationship falling apart, but then it isn't. So I don't know. So it's like know. a Jerry Springer had a twist where it's all been like together. Right. right. Yeah. In a romantic move. VJ loved it. Okay. I just want to say one thing about the director of Little Black Book, Nick Hearn. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, his follow-up was a film called It's a Boy Girl Thing, which was a uh, body swap movie in which a boy goes into a girl and vice is versa. Kevin Zeiger, Samara Armstrong? <laughs> Correct. Now that film came out in uh, Britain, actually. Uh-huh. Like for some reason, I think the OC was so huge that they released it in Britain. I I still think that uh, uh, Seth Cohen picked the wrong one. Uh, we can talk. About I was a big that another time. Uh, incorrect. Summer is better than. Oh Anna. yeah, they're the one true pairing. I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, the one true pairing with the parents. Oh well, well, yeah, true. obviously, yeah, yeah. the yeah. Cohens. I just too much attractive film, people. On this that film, show. listen up. Made yeah. seven million dollars overseas. Okay, what mm-hmm. film are we talking about? It's a boy girl thing. Oh, I want you to tell me how much this film made in the United States of America. It's a boy girl thing. It's a boy girl thing. Griffin's looking at his phone. It's a I'm boy girl. I'm trying to figure thing. out the the twist. Oh, who fucking cares? Two hundred and fifty thousand dollars lower. <laughs> One. Sixteen thousand dollars lower. <laughs> what? 
$200. Higher. $8,000. Lower. What? Two. Katie was close? Katie was close. $400. Up. Oh, Keep going. $700. Keep going. Eight. Keep going a little bit. Nine. $848. I've never seen a box office total like this. Wow. It made $848. Wait, so- it made like a paycheck. You know, like. <laughs> Wait, so are you telling me. It did not cover craft services. Exactly. Are you telling me. That black hat grossed a thousand. <laughs> it's a boy girl thing. That's it. And that's our show, folks. I was hoping the number was going to start with an eight. That was my prayer. Oh my I don't know if you know, I kept guessing eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good call. Because I wanted so badly. I'm looking up uh, a no, little no, black book done, here. I'm not going to read. I'm just saying this twist is incomprehensible. Yeah, it's, it's awful. I looked it up too. Yeah. All right. We're done. Katie. Yeah. Hi. I'm so glad I came on this show. Me of course. too. I've been uh, listening to the Patreon episodes. It's been it's, it's been in my head. It's how we keep in touch with each other. Oh, we listen yeah. to each other's podcasts. I mean, isn't that what friendship is? That's is listening to each other's podcasts? Correct. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I'm wearing I'm wearing a black man can't jump in Hollywood yeah. shirt right now. Oh, yeah. That's what friendship is. Yeah, what are they up to? Jumping. I mean, it, I, IRL. I mean, I listen to the podcast. Like they're working they're on a TV well. show or something. Oh, that's right. That's they're right. They're working that's on their own TV show. They're working on separate things. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Good. James Third's Gone Hollywood. They're on Forever Dog. They're on Forever Dog. It's a great podcast network. They have some yeah. cool shows. It's a great show. We haven't talked about them in a while. Yeah. Sure. They're, they're the best. Yeah, they're great. I mean, they've been on the show a bunch. Like, yeah. We, we endorse them. And you know who else has been on the show a bunch? Hey. Catherine. Oh, fuck, I forgot uh, your middle name. Hasty. Hasty, hasty Rich. Hasty. Uh, one away from the five timers, Chloe. I know. It's exciting. I knew when I moved away from New York, I was really going to slow my process, progress down. Well, but... we've been, I mean, we tried to stay on the ball and turn, making sure you're still in the game. Yeah, listen, We're, I'm not giving up. You mentioned Patreon. I thought of a 5,000 goal. Ooh. We all have to get tattoos. No, nope. nope, <laughs> nope, it's the porch. <laughs> no, it's the porch thing. It the is porch thing. the porch. Thank you for listening. Yeah, we can't let Ben pick because he's like, on. we do acid and then I drive a bus <laughs> to fucking Calgary or something. I know Which a guy called Worm. <laughs> we what were you going to say, Katie? I have to talk again because David Ehrlich was on the show at some point a while ago and failed to mention the podcast that I do with him. That's and right. I got you got to so plug your podcast. Plug yeah. your podcast. So we talked about Little Gold Men earlier. That's yeah. Vanity Fair. We can do that. Griffith's yep, been on one. recently. David's yes. been on recently. There's also Fighting in the War Room, which is another pop culture podcast with me, David Ehrlich, Matt Patches, and Dave Gonzalez. That's right. It's a good show. There's I one used thing to listen to it, and then I met Katie Rich, and I was it was like wow. meeting a celebrity. You, I remember you being starstruck at so trivia. So fucking starstruck. I, remember, I genuinely remember David's having me going, that's Katie Rich. Wow. That's Katie Rich. That's David Ehrlich. I know them. Yeah. You know? I, mean, I mean, I listen to their podcast. I went to trivia like such a small amount of times compared to you guys, I know, but it really but is like where everything began. It was. It was the cauldron. Yeah, and I was the cauldron. I'll say a uh, commonality between uh, your two podcasts. In both cases, we've had three of the four hosts on the show. I know. We have one more to complete Dave, in both come cases. To New York. Yeah. Yeah. And Mike Hogan. Yeah. Bring him in. We should have Mike Hogan. You should on. have Mike Hogan. Funny. For sure. What's like a good Mike Hogan movie, though? Like, <sighs> I feel like I want him to do like After Hours. I want Mike on some 80s New York yeah, movie. Yeah, no, get him talking about Gen Z stuff. That's, uh, that's what, it, you what about a, a fucking uh, an early Demi? Like a something wild or something like that? Not a bad idea. Not a bad yeah. idea. Yeah. Yeah. You said after hours. Mike Hogan is busy, well. like, being the digital too. director. No, of man. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah. 
listen to Fighting in the Worm too. And thanks for having me, guys. Oh, yep. please, our pleasure. And uh, we get we gotta get Charlie on the books. Oh, uh, the yeah. second you Charlie's feel, gotta come back. I mean, he can talk all. now. When are you guys gonna do the sing episode? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this. I mean, once we're done with these Marvel commentaries, uh-huh. <laughs> knowing me. There's a good chance we're going to cover some animated franchise at some point. Sure. Well, with the Toy Story, we've talked about Which is his favorite Cars? Uh, well, Cars 3 is one on Netflix. So okay. that's kind of the easy way out. Yeah, well, look. And, uh, He's been watching Fantastic Mr. Fox lately. So these podcasts usually run about two hours. What do you think Charlie can manage? <laughs> 20 minutes yeah. before I mean, he if goes crazy? If you're showing the movie in the background, oh, you sure. never know. It can work. Cars 3 is short. Oh, yeah. Cars, yeah. 3, is, Cars 3 is good. Hey, I mean, you I, know. I've, I've heard a tale about Cars 3. I, there's a rumor. Unsubstantiated. Just make it the as always. <laughs> yeah, complete. <laughs> cars 2 makes Cars 3 look like Cars 1. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Thanks to Andrew Gudo for our social media, Joe Bowen, and Pat Reynolds for our artwork, Lee Montgomery for our theme song. Uh, go to uh, blankies.red.com for some real nerdy shit. Go to Tee Public for some real nerdy shirts. Uh, Patreon, where uh, we're currently doing the Marvel commentaries, and very soon we'll do the Cars trilogy. And as always, uh, cars uh, two makes cars there. He look like cars. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep saying it. Cars two. Yeah, you said it. Makes said cars it. three look like cars one. Cars three makes cars Spanish now too. If you want. Ring the bell. <laughs> <laughs>